0: Hello, and before you get going on the next episode of zapped to the past we would just like to give a massive shout out to the following people andy marsh Cole hutchinson david hearn sven osa 2000 dc gary heather roger mcnally joshua dove mark fletcher etienne vettingfeldt nile bullet Alexander Gosling, Tim TJ Walker, Phil Sowerby, Joshua Kay, Dominic Kendrick, Rune P, Steve Perrant, Nick James, Daniel Spreadbury, Peter Price, Richard Davey, Dennis Breakhus, ALH2 Retro, Liam Carew, Dylan Darch, Trevor Planner, Alastair McMillan, Mark Schutz, Lee Sparkles, Dan Wales, Gary Brownsource Wilson, Oscar Jacobson, and Brian Howarth. These amazing people have backed our Patreon at the C64 tier and the support they offer is just awesome. If you want to join them and get a mention in next month's shout-out, access to our Discord server, early access to ad-free episodes, along with any special releases we put out, along with anything else we can think of, then sign up by the 18th of the month at patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past for little more than the price of a pint of beer. It helps us keep playing the games so you don't have to. Welcome to episode 101 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our second batch of games from issue 41 of Zapped 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were bummed out by Beach Buggy Simulator stimulated by salamander and bothered by blood brothers this week we conclude our look at the games in september 1988 along with what was lighting up our tv and cinema screens that month so graham should we have gone higher or lower this week in order to get a real brucey bonus
1: In this elaborate plate of anti-pasty, ultra-thin-cut meats and posh cheeses of an episode, we frog-hop across some asteroids before blasting and yelling our way around some monster-filled mines looking for spare parts in the loud and talky Slimey's Mine. Head to the cornerless football pitches of horror for a confusing kickabout in the somewhat clumsy European Five-A-Side. Climb up the magical castle of a certain famous talking mouse looking for one-pieces and possibly a slice of cake by the look of it in the hefty, licensed Mickey Mouse and machine gun our way up and down and across some of the scrolling landscapes on the lookout for prisoners in Fernandez Must Die. Have you ever wrapped your meat around a breadstick? That's not a euphemism either, Adrian. We also carefully deploy our naval fleets before playing hide-and-seek with our ship's guns in the classic and well-realised battleships, grab our trusty steed and ride like the wind in the rooting-tooting-shooting diabolical duplicate nonsense of Kane 2, check to see if we are not entertained in the gladiator-smashing world of Spartacus Sword slayer slip into our formal attire and grab our poshest long sticks for a game of poke the ball with the crappy professional snooker simulator before finally gulping down some tasteless irony and trudging across a military assault course as we train for war in the electro anti-war song inspired game 19 part 1 boot camp so much shouting burping grunting and brown noise in this episode and there are some noisy old games in there too maybe you get a brucey boner
0: don't want to think about that he's dead (laughs) it would be bone now i suppose He's just all bone and he probably is not much all not bone. much flesh left flesh left on those bones so i just I, one thing before we get going because we've got we've got a few games to do and stuff to do N- turns out ninja scooter simulator was not quite as we uh, were led to believe we were lied to by our album covers
1: <laughs> yeah because it was a it was a ninjas was a brand of scooter right
0: that's that's according to one of our patrons yeah, yeah, um, yeah. was ah. it you learn something new every day. Yes, it turns out that, that the Ninja Scooter Simulator game was a was probably another casualty of telling the artist the name of the game and no detail whatsoever. It like happen. we saw in um, what was that for? It's that Poltergeist of the Week, wasn't it? Yes, that was the um, Flying Ghostbuster. It's a Flying Ghostbuster. Yeah, it was a Photon Storm um, who put his right on that. That ninjas were ninja Scooters were a thing in the eighties. I mean, I'm I'm no scooter aficionado, so no. you know I, I'm not. I'm not fussed about getting it wrong because I, I didn't find anything that said that when we were looking at the game or anything. No, so. I don't. Never even
1: occurred to me that it would be a brand of scooter.
0: No, I genuinely thought it was about ninjas on scooters. Yeah. Well, sort of does imply that when you call it that. Ninja scooter similar. And you have that cover that, that had that cover of, which had the ninja on a scooter with the yeah. ghost ninja in the back. Yeah. We can be forgiven for getting that were wrong, I think. But, you know, I just thought I would uh, write that info because it's quite interesting. But, yeah. Yes. Communicate with your artist. <laughs> Communicate well, with them.
1: Yes, exactly. Give them a good indication of what the game's actually about.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, indeed.
1: You know, but the th- and we should have applied Occam's race, shouldn't we, really? Now we, we heard hooves there, and we instantly thought zebras as opposed to bloody horses.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you would always think that because you don't
1: like horses. True, 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 You true. would wish
0: for zebras. Well,
1: actually, yes. do you
0: like zebras? Do you like zebras? I
1: don't mind zebras. Nothing against a zebra.
0: <laughs> and it's just a striped horse.
1: no. Now, a lot of people make that uh, mistake. Actually, it's why you don't see horses and zebras in the same fields.
0: But what what color are zebra stripes? Do you know? Uh, I thought they were black and white. Yeah, but what's the base color and what's the stripe?
1: I don't know whether it's white on black or black on white. I don't know
0: that. No, I don't either. I wondered if there was one. Just, just that's what Michael Jackson's song was about. What zebras? Yeah, could be. Or his other one. I don't know which one that would be, but his... <laughs> song of the zebra, <laughs> <laughs> zebra song. <laughs> it's uh, track seven on uh, Earth album. <laughs> Good old zebra song. <laughs> never, got song. The, never got the press it deserved that one. <laughs> it didn't. though. No, that weird video he made. I like to it think that, that I
1: dress all the kinds of zebra in the world.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Now, no, go away. So we've got a few few games to cover. We've got eight games. We've got cinema TV. We've also got. Hey, eh, we've got a couple of crap verts managed to find wow. a couple of crapverts they don't come along very often these days they don't come along but they're uh they are a particular quality this week so uh, i'm glad good, that good. I'm, I'm hoping that you'll enjoy those we've got them to come at the end but we've got quite a lot to cover so should we just get into our games let's get into I it after the, after the you know the madness of last week let's a bit, bit more normalcy and we'll just get into some games so let's do that right now Graham, you have the pleasure of the first one. Please enter Slimey's Mine. Slime is Mine
1: was made by Simon Pick. Simon is Pick is the guy that did Nemesis, Gradius, Mad uh, Nurse. Remember that Simon Pick? The old one the guy that did the uh, Well, it's obvious that he did my when you look at this game, isn't it? Um do you know later yes. he went on he went on yes, to do yeah. NARC? Weird. Yeah, yeah, I know. God help us all. Uh, anyway, so and the musician, of course, for this was Simon Pick. I don't know if you call it music, you know, sequenced sounds, but it's what it <laughs> it's, is.
0: It's, it's noise of a sort. Um,
1: what a loud game this is, Simon's mind. it got uh, 94% silver medal, mm, did. 299, so it was a budget release. Um, it's a loud game. Loads of sampled sounds in this, so loud, so very loud. And like I said, clearly from the guy behind Microrhythm, you can tell. You can tell it is. You can even rearrange the opening barrage of sounds, out not you, with like a mini sequencer on yes. the opening title screen of this. You can press the space bar to silence them and then press the ZX and a few keys on the keyboard and you'll get the ooh, ah, oh, and all the weird sounds. You can do that for a while. Those sounds, uh, they're going to bore their way into your brain directly in. <laughs> yeah, right, in yeah. right in deep. Anyway, um, so Slimy's mind then. Um, the game, nice simple premise for this actually. Uh, Slimy has been trapped on an asteroid belt miles from home. His only chance to return is by exploring old mine workings which exist in the area in order to salvage scrap parts from abandoned spaceships. Unfortunately, the mines have become overrun by alien lifeforms whose strange behaviour will hinder Slime's efforts in reaching his goal. There's the premise right there. Nice and easy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So you play the game across sort of two different, well, there's technically three, I suppose, but two, two areas, the asteroid level, and the inside the mines on the level. So um, I'll sort of describe the way the game sort of works and everything else, and we'll cover the sort of asteroid level and what that looks like and the bonus level and everything else and all the bits and bobs. So you start with a very lively title screen, like I said on this. Um, if the aforementioned sequence of noises do play away there and again, but you also get options here to change the game difficulty and asteroid field values between 0 and 99 by pressing the function keys F1 to F3, F5, and F7. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure really. I guess that's difficulty, I think. Um, I didn't tinker with it too much, actually. Um, no, no. I just wanted to get off that, that screen as, as quickly as I possibly could. <laughs> so yeah, next I say you can play the sound. The game begins with one of your slimies, of which you have three, launching out of his test tube and into the game world. Uh, You are first presented with the asteroid level, which you can hop slimy between asteroids and look around. Some of the asteroids do have mines, entrances, um, not mines, mine entrances, entrances to mines. Others have arrows on and other things. So you kind of plan a route across these in order to sort of get enough. The idea of it is that you go into the mines, shoot enough of the bodies. Actually, I'll cover all that sort of as we go through. So once you sort of go across the asteroids and find a mine, so you click on the button and you can enter the mine and then you're inside. Each mine is comprised of a number of levels or connected screens, depends how you look at it, where you must blast the aliens and collect diamonds. When killed, the aliens will release a blue diamond and collecting 10 of those will reveal a red diamond. Collect that and you've completed that particular screen and then you can move on to the next one via one of the interconnected doors. Other objects are also found in the mines including blue bubbles, yellow balls, which are banana bombs, a map, there's obviously doors and water, All of the things in there are designed to kind of help you in some way. Um, There are also some extra keys to be used in the game as well. F1 transfers slimy to a different part of the current screen, like a transporter thing. Um, You need that in some of the levels when you go in and there's seemingly no way around to get Mm. to sort of the other bits. It's a sneaky thing. F3 is your banana bomb. F7... You can end the level, but you use up a red diamond in doing that. And P is pause. All of the enemies in the game drain your precious fluid. Um, in this case, it's water, and you can be fully depleted of water three times before you'll lose one of your three lives. You lose all three lives, it's game over, man, and it will tell you that very loudly. <laughs> so you blast everything and anything to collect the diamonds. So mad scramble, you shoot them up when you get into those parts. Eventually, fight, you'll find the parts for the ship. Return to the asteroid level. And then you'll find an area where you can hop onto the next asteroid belt to find more spaceship parts. And so it goes on. The asteroid level has a series of asteroids to jump across in between and a guide scanner of sorts on the right of the screen to sort of guide you across. It's a bit like um, we played another game that had a similar sort of hop along the blocks view. I can't remember what the game was, but we played something similar anyway. You do need to be careful in that part because some of the asteroids have horrible things like skull and crossbows on, which will kill you instantly if you touch those. And also, there's some b- bouncy arrows on it. So, when you go on an arrow, it'll fling you off in the direction. And, well, that can lead to death as well because you might end up being flung into space where there's no asteroids. Not nice. No. The mine screens are kind of single, I guess, single, the, mi- the mines are kind of single screen caves. The best way to describe it, I suppose, um, which occupy most of the game window. Your score, number of blue diamonds and red diamonds collected, uh, and other useful indicators run across the very bottom of the screen. And a small water jug icon lets you know how much liquid you have remaining. As you go between the three stages of water depletion, you will change color. So, it's pretty clear or slimy changes color, not you personally um, so, but it's pretty clear uh, what was happening to you at any time you control slimy with the joystick fire shoots all over the place and you control him across all the compass points and can shoot that way too it gets pretty manic in there mm-hmm. when you're firing bullets because they sort of hit the side and scramble around the edges don't they mm-hmm. quite cool I quite like the way it played in that way and mm-hmm. um, it's quite tough but with enough affordance to sort of keep you in there I think so that's how the game plays out it's quite, quite nice the way it does actually it's a pretty straightforward in and on with it game which I quite like I suppose you could imply that there's little techniques when you're inside the mines because you've got, got, you've got to keep on the move. I think it's the secret to the success in this game. you mm-hmm. You got to move around. It reminded me of that game you made um, in some ways in the way you sort of to move around the screen and keep shooting at different angles. Then it also is more twin sticky shooter without the twin stick, one it?
0: But, oh, the dungeon one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that when I started playing it, I was like, this is... <laughs> oh, well, there you go.
1: Yeah, it just reminded me a little bit of that. But at the same time, um, it, like I said, it's, it's pretty manic in there. and I And I quite like the pace of that. I thought the graphics were pretty good in this, especially for a budget game. Everything kind of fits in with And it's it's an attempt at humour. So everything does kind of fit in with the humour of the game. The main sprite is kind of cute in a froggy kind of way, I suppose. Um, There's a whole load of weird aliens ranging from balls to Pac-Man ghosts to weird heads that float towards you. There's a real weird blend of graphics. Mm-hmm. It all fits nicely with the aesthetic, though the background level graphics, while on the simpler side, service the purpose and just provide enough structure to give the screens a sort of map and structure. They're not especially difficult to navigate. Movement is good, and there's a good barrage of enemies here, so it's quite frantic. There's lots of happening at the same time. Colors are pretty good too. Uh, mines have a nice swampy brown and green edge. The asteroid levels look suitably rock and space-like with nice shading and details. The sounds are, I think, borderline insane, really, on this. But I suppose they're in keeping with the humour of the game. Nothing is too serious here. So there's a whole load of ooh, ooh, ah, eh, what, game over. Hey, hey, Bertie, and all this (laughs) weird stuff going on. But all right, go along with it. Um, There's a bonus level as well where you need to collect mini frogs, which are known as Berties in this game for some reason, um, as they pop up. And again, all the graphics in that section are actually pretty good. So for budget money, I thought this was really good fun. I mean, the sounds can get annoying, all right, but remember, Let's just, you know, contextualize this. This is three quid's worth of game here. It's challenging and it's a daft shooter that has a nice, frantic, fun logic and elements to it and also a little bit of extra puzzle and thought around it. You can't, because there is, you know, you are in a little maze and you've got to navigate your way around and, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's quite nice in that way. There's a lot going on almost all of the time in this game. So you're never static and you're not, you know, you don't get much time to think. It's quite frantic and I quite like that about it. Um, And it offers you a ton of things to do and and enough affordance that will make you want to play it a bit more. So you're not thrown at the deep end. It's not so high because you've got that liquid and you don't die instantly. You just, you know, you get a sort of a bit of time to sort of, and you can build that back up with the right collection of items as well. You've got a little bit of time to get into it. You've got, you know, you can sort of scoot around and and try and get through as much as you can. I was playing this for quite a while. Mm. Um, I think for three quid, this is a great little game. It's a really good little blast and up for the money. Um, I think the only warning I would have is the sound effects because they're funny and quirky for a while for sure, but they will gradually grate. uh, And eventually you'll find your ears tire of them that is a small niggle, I think, for what I I felt quite a, an accomplished budget game. And we had one of those for a while. Just a, a good old, good mini package of a game. Not super crazy, not super you know taxing. Just get in there, shoot things, collect things and just do it quick and get on with it. I quite liked it and I had a good fun playing it. it wasn't what I remembered that well. I remembered the sounds for some reason. When they start kicking up. I'm like, oh, it's them. Which means they must have embedded themselves in my brain real <laughs> deep for the first time.
0: <laughs> That's what they do. That's what they do. So I liked it. Um, I thought it was good. What about you? Yeah, yeah. What a really fun game this is from start to finish. It's just fun. It's just really good. I thought this would be worth the money at full price with the volume of stuff going on, the level of complexity, the the amount of challenge that's there, the various things you've got to be on top of to proceed through the various minds. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. The graphics are fast. There's some slowdown at time, but it's not not egregious slowdown. It's just uh, on on occasion, but it's not that bad. They're colourful, they're cute. The interstitial scenes are good. I like the way your slime is Get launched out of test tubes. Uh, I thought that was quite yeah, funny. Quite I also lovely, like it. the way that you fill the hole with frogs. You just boot them in. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go watch to it and you're like, oh, and you have to go back to get more. <laughs> it's like cute. And, and like those kind of little interstitial story beats just add, give yeah. this game a, a sort of, there's this thought here and there's all the little bits and the fact that, you know, all fits in 64K, all good. Um, I like the way that you navigated the mines like you said there's puzzle ones but so there's different there's different ways sometimes you have to hold down the f1 key and sort of aim but like quite often i would because you got to do it quite quick i would lose a life because i just teleport myself into solid matter like oh uh, but that's yeah, my fault that you know nice. yeah, and, but then i learned to line myself up where i was going and then just pull down and launch through and i was fast and i was in there so it's good but i also like the way that sometimes you get those apples and they just i thought it was being teleported didn't, but they just clear the room don't they just make it yes. into a blank square Yep. And that's good as well. So then that allows you just freedom just to go, you know, if you're ever in a tough room, you get an apple. It's like, ha ha, that's good. So I liked a lot of this. So there's different strategies to be taken. I very much enjoyed this game. And 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 yeah, like you said, it did remind me of that game I made. I mean, I'd never played this before. So uh, just, I was like playing it going, this feels oddly familiar. Oh, this is like that. But yeah, I, obviously. <laughs> but I did think, and the thing with this game is, although it, it, I mean, it had a bit of a, what was the one ages ago, one that you liked? Wizard's Lair. There's a bit of Wizard's Lair yeah, vibe it's to it as a well. vibe to it, yeah. Because um, it's that thing. And you know, what we said then about Wizard's Lair, or what I said then back then, I remember saying that was like, I would have liked more screen space to play around in. And yes, this gives yes. you that screen space. It uses the screen better. So you've got more, you know, and it, it's just as fast, but there's, there's more stuff to do and you've got more space to run around in. But certainly with, I could certainly see this game. If you took this game and put some more modern spin on the visuals, took twin stick controls in, more depth to what you can shoot and some power-ups and things like that. This is a modern twin stick shooter indie yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, that the, you've got that sort of uh, you know, the above level, the ground level, the asteroid where you're flipping around, then you dive into the mines to find stuff and come back out, progressing, you level it up, you're finding treasure, you're buying new packs. You could see this and go, Oh, yeah, this is a the design on this is is very, very good. Um, and it's a very clever little game, this and, and thoroughly deserving of its 94%, if not more, in my, my opinion, at, the, at that price three quid. And it also reminded me a bit of uh, I don't know if you ever played it, but the Binding of Isaac, which is kind of the, one of the seven yeah. sort of single screen twin stick shooters. It was kind yeah. of it, it's in that, that's what I mean. This is an early version of of
1: them so otherwise known as YouTuber gold isn't it that game
0: <laughs> yeah I mean this yeah if you had YouTube back then this one would have been one of them because all the noises kicking off yeah. you could see the YouTube going know what you're saying yeah <laughs> that
1: was a good impression I just thought you got a tick then you have gone mad <laughs>
0: yeah so like I said, yeah, riding the binding about if I, uh, you know—that's really no bad thing because it's a really cracking game. So this is just a really fun, fun opener to the week. Um, and I was, you know, like I said, never played it, never even heard of it. It's not one that's by this point we're getting into games where, unless they're massive, I'm not going to have heard of them. So most of the t- games we come across at this point, I'm not going to have heard of. But this is a really nice surprise, and I, I was thoroughly engrossed. Not like you, I was playing this for quite a while. And it's nice as well because you don't just have three lives, do you? You have three lives per life. Yes, but I say you've got more affordance, haven't you? Yeah, you've got nine lives. So, yeah. yeah. And it's just nice. It's just a good, good, fun blast of a game. Yes, it is. Um, Certainly one of the best budget ones. I would put this up in top tier budget land. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There we go. Slime is mine. I was wondering about it. 94% of them, mm, is it really that good? But yes, turns out it certainly is. It's worth its slimy medal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the slimy medal. Yeah, it's SM. Slime is mine. SM, yeah, it fits, doesn't it? Yeah, slimy mine. There we go. That's our first one. That's a good way to start. Let's hope it long continues. Every time we say it. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time we say it. And I I, I know I'm not, it's never gone. The it, monkey's so paws just go. <laughs> 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 well, no, it's my fault because I always put the, the highest scoring one at the front and then one of the lowest scoring ones straight after it. <laughs> Pigs and troughs compare and contrast small apples big (laughs) apples whatever you want yeah yeah, whatever let's go to our next one and our next one is european five aside why it's european we don't know (laughs) why is it it's got literally nothing to do with it but let's not leave that you know let's just leave that to one side for the moment for those of us who would never be good enough for professional football and the thought of running around on a Sunday morning in the local leaves was too much effort there was always five-a-side football to keep us entertained and provide us with our footballing needs I played loads of five-a-side in my time at different times in my life it really is it's a good laugh and so just as it is in real life here we have a budget game to provide us with just that small pitch bouncy boards at the sides we don't have to worry about corners and throw-ins and half-height goals to defend this budget title Hails from the Silverbird range. Um and the cover, which I liked, featured a strong chested man chesting the biggest ball known to footballers everywhere. That ball was massive in comparison massive. to him. He was really strong-chested as well. He was like, Oh, look at my chest. Bell. Um <laughs> But he was really thin. He was thin but strong chested. It's an odd combo. The back of the box has spectrum screenshots, which is rubbish. I hate when they do that, but it does. And it has this text. There's no writing, but it's just along the bottom corner, along in a diagonal. It says this, football fans freak out and kick off with a winner. I don't know what it means. <laughs> but that's no what it one says. does. <laughs> Can football fans freak out if they buy this crap? That's what it should have said. And kick off with a winner. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, it's but a Bob winner? Are they, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if it's anything to do with the game or what, anyway. Win suffice Bobner. and it no, no, no. suffice to say, you know, we've got a chesty start here. This game was designed originally on the Spectrum by Tim Close. Um, and this conversion conversion was handled by Dave Kirby. Dave music- not so close. <laughs> <laughs> Dave far away. <laughs> And this uh, conversion was ha- handled by Davy Kirby, and it's got music by Steve Barrett. There's a rather lackluster title screen that greets you upon loading this, encompassing all the shades of grey the C64 What's... is capable of. <laughs> mm. <laughs> really, really invites you in. That's Does... grey. Nothing, like, oh. nothing
1: shouts excitement than grey.
0: <laughs> I'm like, I'm in a car park. And it really gets the pulse quickening for some 5 side antics in a small sports arena, just on the outskirts of Luton. That's what I thought. Yeah, um yeah, definitely. which i've played a few of uh you can play this one or two players and you've got you can also change uh you've got some options to play around with when you press that though it leads to a confusing view of the pitch just a view of the pitch just appears like for no reason and there's no there's no indication of what does what here um <laughs> yeah. but i'll tell you now you can, i, I 'Cause I played around with this. You can press the spike space bar, spice the space bar to cycle through a three, five, or ten minute game. And for the love of God, if you gotta play this, choose three. Ten will seem like an eternity. It's ten minutes <laughs> and a half. It will seem like an absolute eternity. I I kid you not. Playing a ten minute game, ten minute half, so it's a twenty minute game of this, it will, you know, it will lighten your hair, it will <laughs> it will do all <laughs> things back things to you. Just don't play a 10-minute game of this. Um, And you can change the colour of the pitch with F7. You can go from green to a lighter green to grey to yellow to lighter (laughs) grey. to brown, and to white. Don't play on white, because the ball's white. Honestly, the ball I didn't think that through, did they? No. You know, if it's supposed to be snow, you play with an orange ball. This is the 80s. They had orange balls back then. Is side played indoors or outdoors? Uh, it, can it's be, both, it, isn't it? it can be outdoors. We used to play outdoors. Once you're satisfied with the colour of the pitch, you press enter to go back to the main screen. There are no clues to doing this. This was me jabbing at the keyboard. Um, I couldn't find any proper instructions for this, but, you know, found what it, what it is. And you can press four to play a game. So the view here is top down and vertical scrolling. And correct me if I'm wrong. I do believe this is the first time we've seen this view.
1: It is the first time, yeah.
0: So you know, this this is going to lead to micropro soccer kickoff and sensible soccer. Yep, so, that's the first. And I think I don't. I don't. I mean, maybe there's another on another machine. I don't know. But everything else has usually been from the side, hasn't it? Yeah, I was going to say this. I think I, I, when I looked about, I couldn't find any others. No, not that it was earlier than this. So there we go. We've got our sort of stock in trade, sort of top down view. The bottom quarter of the screen has the gray UI, massive gray UI. It's like takes a quarter, it's just huge. It's only got three things on it. It's got your score, the compute you know, in the bottom left, the computer score in the bottom right, and the, the timer ticking down for eternity that it feels like when you play this damn thing. I'm sure it goes slower than real time. Pretty sure it does. Because I put it into warp mode and that seemed to make it go normal time. <laughs> I wanted it to end. God's sake, end Slow mo. End. Yeah. So that's it. Those three things take up the bottom quarter of the screen. Really massive. The top three quarters of the screen has the game and this sort of top-down vertical scrolling thing. And here, a series of blocky, badly animated sprites play out an unrecognisable sport. It's supposed to be some kind of football. So the two teams are red versus blue. The player you control is highlighted in either dark or light grey. I love their grey in this this game. Love it. Love it. So much grey. You run about and try to get the ball. Um, if you do a tap of the fire button, you will supposedly pass it, <laughs> except you don't. And holding down the fire button will do a lofted pass. That's it. Both are problematic, as the speed of the passing either way is the same speed as which you run. <laughs> so passing it just passes it to yourself. <laughs> you, Weird. Just, you just keep running boot up in the air, you're like, eh, running with the ball in the air, and you back so to you. Stupid. You don't pass it. You have to stop running for it to actually move faster than you. And when they just tap it, it just goes, eh.
1: Uh, uh. Oh, that noise, that stupid, that, stupid yeah, noise. Yeah, that noise
0: when it goes up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
1: actually want real footballs to make that noise.
0: <laughs> it would make watching like, <laughs> yeah, the commentator has to do it. He's a yeah. lofted ball. <laughs> 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 That'd be hilarious. Harry Kane's controlled it. He's gone for a chip. <laughs> oh, Just I want dreadful. to see that now. Um yeah. So yeah. So pass it to you pass it yourself. There's, so there's no there's no building of attacks here or passing it to people. we running straight up or down. It's because like I said, you just run as fast as the ball moves at all times. However, this is not the same as passing for diagonals or across the pitch. So when it, when you pass it in diagonals, the ball does move faster and does move away from you, which means you run faster vertically than you do horizontally or diagonally. You mean you don't? Which is stu- <laughs> Which is stupid. <laughs> it's just you're not running uphill that's down why you're saying Bolt always runs at an angle <laughs> would, yeah when he's really fast around the corner when he's like leaning it's like <laughs> sh- stupid <laughs> There's no there's no sense to this. It's also stupidly easy to score. You just run up to the corner of the box and fire at a diagonal to the far corner and the opposing goalie does nothing. You can't shoot from straight on. There was one point where I, I'd, I'd shot, stopped just on the edge of the box and shot straight. The goalie will always get it and just kick it straight back out. But I, it was bouncing straight back to me, so I just booted it again So <laughs> yeah. the goalie would then back it. I did this for about two minutes. It was just like... <laughs> I
2: was
0: like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can hear that noise. It's like, this is... Um, the first two games are weird noise couplet. They are. They absolutely are. <laughs> These are noises I'm going to hear in my sleep.
1: Bertie. Bertie. Shut up. Bertie, game over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Hello.
0: Okay, not, I made those two up. <laughs> they were very good, though. I thought they were samples from the game then. That was very good. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so if you want to score just run to the edge i was 10 up at half time and this in the three minute game my second go is rubbish this is rubbish on all fronts it's ugly sounds awful it won't go a long way but why the up and down noise when you do a long pass and plays terribly there's no sense of a game of football here fire aside or not and whilst it may say football in the box this is not football in the game this is a rubbish and overall bad piece of software that would not entertain anyone for more than five minutes. I guess in two players, you might get some fun, but I, I don't think you would really. You'd be turning this off quite sharpish and playing something else. Like, you know, you just go back to international soccer if you're in a game of football in two players. It's way better than this. It's not going to last long. This is awful. Five aside, no. What did it get? It got 15%. Yeah, it's rubbish. Awful game. What did you think? <laughs> this game. European
1: why i don't know straight from the what the files comes this oddly weird entry into the football game canon i guess (laughs) stirring title music though wasn't it stirring you know it was quite you know oh the music was quite brisk and in your face um (laughs) i was like wow okay And and he's got those sort of limited options and then the top-down perspective like i like you said it's the first time we've seen that which is okay okay i get Mm -hmm. it graphics Basic is a word I would describe. <laughs> really, That's so, so, those the of word. I've it, It's black lines and dots donate the pitch on on varying colored backgrounds.
0: Yes, on a gray, with a gray border.
1: Yeah, does it work? I guess it works. I mean, you can bounce the ball off the wall, so I'm guessing this is indoor soccer because well, yeah, offenses, I think it's because they just didn't
0: want to bother with any kind of corners. So it probably a football yeah. game,
1: you know, corners yeah, yeah, or throw It works, I guess. Bottom section is the score and the time in that kind of just there. It is can't miss it really. No. It's all very basic. This player sprites confused the hell out of me. I wasn't sure who was in what team other than the no. goalie. No. That's only because they were stood in the goal. I got the ball and then I wasn't sure if I was passing it to myself, passing it to the opposition. They never seemed to do anything with it. I always just seemed to get the ball and score and that was only if I almost ran the ball into the goal. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if you can do it from straight on, he just saves it. I don't know. It's just really, really, really weird. It wasn't challenging, or was it? It's all a bit flickery and a bit bitty at best, really. I mean, I don't know. Five aside? I mean, did, the really strange thing here for me was, you know, did you score a
0: goal in this? Yeah, I was 10-0 up.
1: Yeah. Did you Did you get the weird sound? I mean, I got this... I don't know if yours was speech. Mine was this, this kind of harsh screech that came out yes. of there. Yeah. I was like, what the hell was that? It was haunting. <laughs> so... I don't know what it was. It was really weird. I don't remember that ever happening if I've ever played any kind of these games and scored whether in reality or otherwise where there's just this kind of devilish, almost <laughs> like, a sound, like a sound of a, an 8-bit possessed city going, Aah! it's like, what? What happened? It's all a bit naffing at this. The outer semblance maybe of something to that top-down thing, which is an interesting you know, footnote to this otherwise rubbish game. But there's nothing here really that's holding it together, is there? Um, doesn't control very well. It's got that silly control system. The long ball isn't long; it's high. So,
2: <laughs> unless you um, it's diagonal. high ball, it yeah, you
1: diagonal. It's just a bit of a two quid joke in it, really. Fifteen percent, yeah, no, not for me. This one, just a real odd thing, really odd thing. No more
0: to say about that. <laughs> There's no more to say about it. It's the. It's not very good. Let's let's move along. Let's let's leave that. Leave that. Where it be nightmare and move on. And, Graham, you've got the next one. Um, well, it's time to uh, become Mickey Mouse and right. tell us all about Mickey Mouse.
1: Well, who's the leader of the club that's made for you and me? Yes, Mickey Mouse is. Um, <laughs> is he? Apparently. Okay. Uh, this is Mickey Mouse, the nine ninety nine. dollars this, uh, 72% in Zap from Gremlin <laughs> Graphics, coded by Stuart Gregg. That's the guy that did Gauntlet 2 and Mask, and he later went on to do Rick Dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. The graphics are Kevin Bulmer and John just says John in the blurb. Good and the John. musician is Mr. Ben Daglish. Mr. Ben Daglish. Daglish. So the story for this game, I'm going to read the scenario from the instructions. And I want you to bear in mind that when they did this, they just went on some kind of story raid. <laughs> so they just went around, raided a few different, you know, they'd got a few books on the desk, picked out the salient bits from those and just kind of bolded it into a thing. So. Yeah. Just And this first paragraph will give you the idea of how they did that. So, the wicked witches of the North, South, East, and West have stolen Merlin's magic wand and given it to the awfully horrible Ogre King. Okay. Okay. Uh, So we've got um, a bit of the Wizard of Oz there, a bit of um, Arthurian legend. Anyway, using its power, they will, between them, rule Disneyland. The Ogre King has used the wand to cast a sleeping spell over the land. He then broke the wand into four parts and gave each witch a piece to guard. The wizened witches have moved into the four tallest towers of Disney Castle. Why would you go there? And banished all of the drowsy Disney characters. They are each using the pieces of wand they guard, along with some enchanted water they also stole from Merlin, Hmm? to fill the castle with hideous monsters. This water is the key to Disneyland's salvation. Merlin had one bottle of water hidden, And this he gave to Mickey Mouse to use to defend himself as he rescues the wand. The water must be used sparingly or it will run out. Mickey starts his search for the wand at the bottom of each of the four towers. The only way is to go up. The only way is up. Baby, you and me now. (laughs) Uh, on uh, On the way to the top, Mickey will encounter the Witch's Gruesome guardians. Squirting some monsters with the enchanted water pistol will turn them into potion bottles or special magical bonuses. Some monsters, however, only spawn to a sharp tap on the head with Mickey's rubber mallet. Aye, aye. Although this often causes them to split into two smaller monsters. If Mickey collides with a meanie, he loses more of his precious fluid. His precious water fluid.
0: Precious fluids are leaking out. Precious
1: fluid. But it can (laughs) Precious (laughs) fluids leaking. But it can be replaced by collecting the potion bottles. When Mickey reaches the top of the tower, he will find fireballs being held in by the witch. If you can reduce the witch to a pile of bones by throwing mallets at her, he will collect the pieces of the ones she was guarding. Once all four pieces are retrieved, Mickey has to face the fiendish, flying, horrible Ogre King. Squirting him 15 times with the water pistol defeats him. But that's not easy. If Mickey doesn't succeed at first, he can try, try again. If he fails a third time, the game is over and Mickey will have to return to the bottom of Tower 1. That's it. So that's uh, right. that's the scenario. That's the scenario you found yourself in. All that's right.
0: quite um all over the place
1: yeah so it's, like, it's almost like it's been raided from different sort of you know ideas and sort of bolted together doesn't it yeah a little bit and anyway I'll come to sort of the thoughts and feelings about this as we go through so it's a big it is a big license this I mean goodness me Mickey Mouse yeah, Walt Mickey Disney Mouse. Mickey Mouse and Walt Disney I mean goodness me Mickey Mouse that's that's huge it's big it's massive it's massive it's a huge thing it's massive yeah. Reing graphics freshly success with mask <laughs> and Flintstones. Take on the bloody might of the Disney Corporation. Are you mental? Are you
0: mad? Are you mad and mental? They did do Thingy, didn't they? Didn't they do uh, Basil? Great mouse detector.
1: Yes. Um, yes, they did. Yes, actually. Yeah. That wasn't wholly great, was it? That was the game of a thousand turds. I wonder if that was a bit of a deal, though. You do want Mickey. You're going to have to do this. Yeah, maybe. So I suppose this, in license terms, this is one of the biggies, isn't it? This is a big one.
0: It is. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and you really wouldn't want to mess that up, would you? You really wouldn't. No. So a well-realized loading screen, which it is. Uh, leads to a pretty dull title screen where you can choose the music and effects and the sfx in the game i would choose because uh, the music will eventually get to you oh the music music will get to you in (laughs) dark ways (laughs) and then fire starts the whole show why are they not using any of the incumbent disney branding on that title screen beyond me but they don't. No. The game window is essentially split into two areas for the main tower part of the game. The larger upper section is the game area where you control your Mickey Mouse sprite and under that is a smaller UI area where on the left you can see what Mickey's holding in his hand. That's either the hammer or the water pistol, sorry, mallet or the water pistol. And on the right you see a mini-map of the tower with your position indicated and your current water level. If the water, which is kind of how they measure energy in this, uh, runs out, it's game over there and then. You have three lives to use up. You start the game at the bottom of the first tower. Each one is made up of levels connected with a ladder. You can ascend the ladder on your mission to get to the top and kill the witch, who, when killed, will give you a piece of the wand. Collect all four pieces and you will confront the Ogre King. Squirt him, as I've said, the number of times and you've done it. You get three attempts at that, and then it's back to the beginning of the tower if you don't do it. All of the towers have enemies of different types that will bother you. These can be squirted with your water pistol. You can also avoid them, or you can hit them. If you touch them, they drain your water. And so, as you can imagine, draining the precious fluid away is not good. There's also doors on the levels, and some of these will allow you to enter mini-games. You can't get to the witch at the top unless you've boarded up the doors. So, and to do that, you've got to go into the mini-games and get the things to board them up with. And there's four mini games. These are. Um, The puzzle maze, uh, sorry, the puddle maze, the bubble machine, the pump room, me, (laughs) and the dripping taps.
0: That's what you get after going in the pump room.
1: (laughs) (laughs) God sakes. Um, So in the puzzle, this puzzle, I keep saying puzzle, in the puddle maze, Mickey has to avoid or shoot monsters created by the dripping taps. To complete the room, he must find and collect a hammer, some nails, and some wood. These will be found lying on the floor and enable him to board up the door. Also in the maze is a heart, which gives Mickey a bonus life. A skull will take a life of Mickey. The power pack allows Mickey to burst the water monsters without being touched. Don't oh, burst. That word shouldn't be used in here, should it? Um, oh. The power pack makes Mickey flicker until its effect wears off. Um, weird. The spring makes Mickey's mallets bounce off the walls of the maze. Once the hammer nails and wood have been collected, Mickey can leave the maze through the hole in the floor. In the bubble machine, uh, you stand on the platform, which moves randomly left and right. Below you are is a glass tube full of enchanted water. This slowly leaks a pipe that uh, leaks onto a pipe which runs across the bottom of the screen. At regular intervals along this pipe are nozzles which produce bubbles. Mickey must shoot the bubbles by throwing his hammer until all of the water has leaked out of the tube. If a bubble reaches the platform, it eats it away a little. Acidic bubbles. It's weird in a Disney game.
2: Mm, Eventually, the bubbles
1: will eat a hole in the platform. Acid for blood, um, which Mickey (laughs) will need to jump across. An extra hazard is floating ghosts, which slowly follow Mickey around. Prolonged contact with it will cost Mickey a life. Hitting the ghost with the mallet will dispose of it, but another one will soon appear. Um, And then the final two pits, the pump room, the long-awaited pump room. Pump. A long pipe snakes from top right of the screen down to the bottom where Mickey appears. At several points along this pipe are holes with corks in. At the top right is a large monster operating a pump, which creates little monsters. The little monsters patrol the pipe, and they pull out the corks, which Mickey has hammered in. The mallet will deal with them. To complete the screen, Mickey must get past the force field, which is protecting the large monster. The force field will be lowered when some of the corks have been hammered in. The corks Mickey needs to hit are different each time. To add to Mickey's problems, water dripping from the corks creates a floating ghost when it hits the floor. This will stun Mickey or take a life from him. And then finally, the dripping taps. There are four dripping taps here, which need to be turned off in a specific order. The taps handle, spin or flash to indicate which should be turned off next. The floating ghost in here, again, is drifting around the screen. If it touches Mickey, he will be stunned or lose a life. Moving platforms help Mickey travel from tap to tap, but he must be careful not to be squashed between a platform and the floor or ceiling. So there's those, essentially, that's the the mainstay of the game. Those four mini games and the tower bit of the game is what you've got to sort of contend with. So graphics vary a lot in this game. The main sprite does look like Mickey Mouse. I'll give him that. Not too bad. It animates okay. Like he's had a few too many pies. I was gonna say he's a bit of a chubby Mickey Mouse, as yeah. I remember him, but Mickey Mouse-ish. But is you know, you could put big round ears on most things and they look kind of Mickey Mouse-ish, so anyway, <laughs> Mickey Mouse. The pace of his movement, though, is a bit sluggish. Mm-hmm. But it's passable, I guess. But it's it's okay. Sluggish. It's okay. It's okay. The backgrounds for the towers are not very well drawn, though. Large no, slabs not. of light blue are half-tonish pixel colour blocks for walls. An enormous amount of brown flooring.
0: <laughs> so much brown. So much
1: brown, and then door and ladder details in more brown. Brown on brown. It's not good. That
0: no, it's not.
1: They look somewhat simple, and they lack any of the details that would make them more interesting. So yeah. it's just they look a bit too kiddified. They look a bit too play toy. look and a some bit of those too... sort of
0: paintings on the wall look a bit. Um, yeah, it's not. They're not great.
1: great. The enemies that appear: the ghost, the skeleton, the headless some reason there's ghosts in it called Headleys. What Lamar? Um, yeah, Headley them Lamar. Um they're okay, I suppose the sprites go, but there isn't a lot of them and they move yeah, really slow as yeah, well. Yeah. It's... So and the, the mini games also suffer from the same the backgrounds problem. They're all kind of dull. Some of them have got darker shades of brown and really mm-hmm. bad shading on things, but the sprites are all the kind of the same sprites that throw out. So the Sprite work okay, passable with you know fat Mickey Mouse. But the rest of it, backgrounds and stuff. Didn't think of that, did they? Didn't put much thought into them. Lots of brown. Yeah. So much brown i Mickey Mouse isn't famous for its brown. Disneyland isn't famous for its brown areas. It's quite vibrant colours, you know, vibrant reds,
0: yeah. blues. And the scene, seeing as this seems to have picked up for a lot from uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, because if you hit some of the monsters, they split in two and things like that. Yeah. The oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the music as well. Yeah, and the music as well. So yeah, and you would think that there'd be a bit more detail in those backgrounds.
1: Yes, I would expect that. I would have expected this, bit. and it's something that comes back to to, to sort of bite this game really. The main tower section, so that, then that's how the game plays out. You control Mickey, you go up down the ladders, you pick up the things, and the idea is you've got to, you've got to survive those mini-games in order to get... Because you have to board up the doors in order to be able to get to the witch in the first place. So when you get there, you've got to kill the witch and get this one piece and then do that four times. Kill the ogre. Happy Mickey. Mickey. Mickey's happy. Mickey. <laughs> um The main tower section feels slow and ploddy. Does It's, not, it's just not very exciting not very exciting at all no and um, which should not be the enemies do drop bonus items for you to collect and there's a whole bunch of those in the structure i'm not going to you with any more of them but there's a whole bunch of th- things you can collect that all do different things and um, water bombs birds heads glue shield repulsive. they all do various things to or uh, with mickey um, and the and the idea is that they'll sort of help help you but they don't add any real excitement you just still kind of plod around entering the mini games it doesn't get much better they all feel really dreary He wants to be fixing leaky taps or collecting planks of wood and dropping hammers on taps and stopping acidic bubbles. When did that become a magical Disney thing? You don't go to Disneyland and it's not (laughs) famous for uh, you go into the magic Disney castle and have to avoid the acidic bubbles or turn off taps. They would not have made as many happy faces in disneyland had dark, that have been the dark case disney
0: at this period in time I remember. Dark
1: well disney. it certainly is um it just doesn't feel very magical or indeed very disney like which is a massive problem in a game based principally around their central main character mm. so on the surface and underneath this this probably is maybe a little good adventure game probably not on this platform put this on an on a nintendo or a, or a later the super nintendo or something like that something that has a bit more of the sprite um from the detailed backgrounds that would Lend itself to a, to a game of this type, and you might get something a bit more fun on the C sixty four because the backgrounds were an afterthought. There maybe there's a nice little sort of idea of a simplistic arcadey adventure type game in here, but it's just painted with really bad colours, and it's just not really not really compelling, and it's slow. There's some ideas that sort of have been explored, and there's some main sprites, I guess, that are okay, and they look like what they're supposed to be. No issue with that but this just is dreary. You don't feel any sense of danger, which is a similar problem we noted in the Rupert game many moons ago, because it's Mickey. What danger can Mickey Mouse be? And you fight with a bubble gun, for goodness sake. Mm
2: -hmm. Now give him a
1: samurai sword and let him go wild. Don't go, no,
0: we can't do Dark Mickey.
1: We can't. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, Yosaki Yosembo with Mickey Mouse in would have been great. No, you know That's a cartoon character doing what cartoon characters do with compelling backgrounds and it's still medium rares, and it's still on a Commodore 64. Mm. There's ways you can make these games more interesting. It doesn't have to be a fat Mickey Mouse running around, turning off taps. It doesn't have to be that. But did they not learn the lesson from when they did the Flintstones? Because wasn't this the exact problem that Gremlin did with the Flintstones? Take a game, lots of comedic premise, remove all that, and reduce it to its core, which is a guy painting a wall gray. <laughs> yeah. It's the same central idea. It's not always fun to have the cartoon characters doing boring things. Because it's still boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Mickey could have been jumping around. Look at the later Mickey games that come out, the Castle of Illusions. I know it's a great yeah. advance of this, but if you're going to do a Mickey Mouse game, you know, that's the kind of thing you would expect Mickey to do, jumping on things. And um, We've seen so Sisters. So that there's room in, in this world to have a platform game with Mickey Mouse in it, jumping over things and having to do the same, yeah. s- doing the same tasks he's doing here, just not climbing endless ladders, fixing door frames. Yeah. It's just dull it's lumpen that music as well that doesn't help no it really doesn't. <laughs> <speaking and singing> all you'd have heard and then shortly after that was just a click of a gun as i was trying to blow my brains out because i couldn't stand it no more <laughs> um backgrounds boring characters okay everything else is dull lacks the detail needed in a game like this considering it's set in a magic castle full of spooky ghosts with a talking mouse an adventurous one at that where did all that bit go i don't want to fix taps as a mouse
0: I don't no. want to do that. No. Did you like it? No, I'm not. I I i not sure what to make of this one. I, I thought this was actually better and more original than the usual gremlin fare we've seen of late. Like, yes, it's climbing a tower, but it, they 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 tried something with it. I think more so than what, and it worked better than the, than what they did with the Flintstones one, which was bloody awful. But you know, I'm gonna. It's weird, actually, because we're gonna look at another game in a, in a moment, which has similar similarish design type stuff. We'll mm. come to it anyway. But, you know, it, this this uh, is, is nowhere near as good, in my opinion. The Mickey Sprite and the various ghouls uh, and spooks, they look pretty good. I thought they were all right. The skeletons, the ghosts, the, the monsters, sort of the big sort of Frankenstein type things. I thought they were all right. But the tower is really boring. You've just got ladders on either yep. side. You just walk across flat brown to climb another ladder on the other side. You don't really have to actually engage with any of the uh, monsters or anything, no, you apart don't, from just don't. to get a key every now and again. Find a key, go in a door, do a minigame. Minigame's boring, blah. I didn't really like any of the side games um, that you need to do. Um, And as you've noted, I found the drilling music started to put me off after a while. When it went to that high-pitched screech after a Uh, while, uh, it's like, oh, my Lord, what's going on here? I think as a a cartoon to game port, I mean, it's one of the better ones we've looked at, but that's not saying a lot because the bar is pretty low. You know, this is... very. This is just stepping over, you know, a, a slightly raised paving slab in quality level. So I just the problem with this is the moment-to-moment play in this is not that interesting. Although it, it kind of hangs together, I guess. They've tried to do something different with it. Thank God at least they've tried. It's just dull. It's just a little dull to really engage me. I did read the ZAP review, and they said the same thing. They said, but it picks up in level two. I'm like, but it's it, it, I'm bored by that point. I'm bored. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to get to the second tower because I'm just bored of everything that no. you're doing. So, nah, this was just a – it's not terrible. 72% way too high. It's average. It's a 50 ed. It's, it's in the 50s, 40, like 40s, like yeah. 50s. This is uh, – if I was writing this, you know, feedback for this, this would be satisfactory. Yeah. I'd be using the word satisfactory a lot in my feedback of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe some good sprite work, but yeah. Have lost the magic of Mickey with this one. Certainly, there we go, Mickey Mouse. Hmm. <sighs> but one more left. Let's get to it. And Graham Fernandez must die. He must. He must die. In the South American country of the Democratic Republic of El Diablo, the government (laughs) has been overthrown, and in their place, the evil dictator Fernandez now rules with an iron hand. You have been summoned by the exiled leaders of the country and tasked with taking out Fernandez by destroying his military bases, all eight of them, and freeing the people from his evil yoke. That's the story. It's courtesy of the back of the box, which also does that thing of uh, from the time of including Atari ST screenshots. Uh, Cheeky. Which look a whole lot better as one would expect than the C64 version, but you know, there you go. It is. It just says screenshots from Atari ST version. Like, this is the C64 box, but the visuals are weird, but you know, put them on. Anyway, this is the latest game from Tony Crowther. Mr. Anthony Crowther is back, yeah, he's um, and back in this in, in this one, he <laughs> really is in uh, commando form. And this is the first, sorry, he shared coding duties with David Bishop, uh, but it seems that the art and the sounds are all by Mr. Crowther himself. Um, and this is the first game release from Image Works, don't you know? Image Works are an interesting lot. I'd look at what else they will be doing. They've got what have they got? Uh, I was looking Superball, uh, Speedball. They've released Speedball one and two. Uh, Predator Two Burst Samurai mm. Fox fights back. They look like some interesting games coming from them, but we'll we'll see when we get to them. The game itself is is kind of lacking the usual options for a crowder game. Usually, just loads of weird options and stuff, doesn't it? But but it does offer a simultaneous two player mode, which is a nice addition, nice. and I'll come to what that does offer a little later. The title screen itself has got a big scroller in the middle with some raster bars, um, and it's got the current top scorer in big letters at the bottom. It's kind of a there's not a lot on it, but it takes up a lot of space. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Uh, big and bold. It's very big and bold. It's very Tony Crowd. It's like demo effect in your face. Uh, you can press one or two, and that picks single or two-player mode, um, and fire button gets things going. So when the game starts, this looks like a simple enough commando variant. You start by being dropped off by a truck that drives on from the side of the screen and you sort of climb out the back of that. And from here, yes, it's commando. Your job is to push vertically up the oddly designed maps, blowing up and shooting all the standard enemies that come running at you. These come in various guises with regular blue soldiers who just kind of mill about and red ones that actively hunt you down. They come and gun for you. You're armed with a gun, which fires at the top of the fire button and grenades, which fire if you hold the fire button down for a little while. And then they are thrown as good an arc to land and blow up anything they hit. As you progress, there are tanks to be destroyed, gunboats, motorcycles, lorries, trains, and even planes that can be killed for bonus points as you work your way along. So, so far, so Commando, but I thought this game says a few things up its sleeve um, that make this more interesting than it at first seems. Pressing run-stop... Um, which is the thing it kind of brings up a map of the game and you can see all the eight territories that you've got to uh, go through mm-hmm. lined up side by side with the, where the base is located on them. So you know where you have to go. There's no, you know, it's not, it doesn't obfuscate anything. It's like, here you go. Here's the map. There's like eight territories. They're all there. Here's the bases all lit up on each one. It's like, right. Okay. And kind of, you know, it's not hiding anything. It's like, this is where you got to go. So what you got to do? And that's quite useful. Uh, but it doesn't tell you the whole story of how you need to navigate this game because if you just progress upwards you'll um, on the first level you'll eventually hit a wall that you can't get through so you'll be like, "What the hell where do I go from here? You just can't move through it because some walls you've been able to blow up but here you've got an impassable wall. so you've got to take notice of what's going on on the side of the walls because in the door there's um along the sides of the levels you'll see these doors in the walls. Um, if you blow them up um, with some form of explosive, you can. It allows you to move inside them, and this is how you get from area to area. So all these areas kind of coexist. This isn't a push to the end of the first one like Commando. So this is a more interconnected world. So you've got these all eight levels, and you've got these walls on each side, which la- allow you to move from one to the other, sort of on a sort of horizontal plane across the map. In each of these areas as well, um, there are prisoners to rescue, and you can do that by blowing open their cells. And there is treasure to collect for bonus points. Uh, if you once you move out so if you continue around this across this level they're kind of one screen ride but you move out the other side it takes you to the next area on the map so the next one along and you have to then navigate from there finding more doors to access the inner links between the areas and that's how you kind of progress and so this this game suddenly opens up into a much more non-linear design and it's quite interesting in that respect because what you've got to do is you've got to need to backtrack down through the levels because although this is like commando the screen scrolls both up and down allowing you to navigate back through the levels So you've got to go up and down round you know and, and it's not just a push forward one you've also got to go down to find the walls maybe to get to the other one or come back on yourself so there might be a secret area in a level you've been to which you've got to sort of go up and then come down and back into and things like that there might be some world walled off like the first level uh, base is up above that wall you can't get past so you've got to work your way up and then come back through and around it and that's how this kind of works so uh yeah so these inner and playing through these inner areas it was kind almost kind of um I sort of reminded me a bit of Into the Eagle's Nest in those bits. They the sort of felt yeah, a little bit similar. like that. Um, so it's like a scrolling version of Into the Eagle's Nest because they're little kind of puzzly areas where you can see how like, sometimes you've got to blow up walls, you got to get things to destroy, you got to sort of have enough explosives to get the prisoners out. And, and I like the way this has been designed to sort of obfuscate and change up that usual method of playing these games like carry warriors, commando, who dares wins. Um, and it does something different with it. Beyond this, if you press the Commodore key, It brings up your status screen, and this shows the number of medals you have collected in this run, uh, there are seven, um, and these are awarded for destroying enemy vehicles, buildings, collecting gold, freeing the prisoners, destroying the bases, and for freeing all the bases and destroying all the bases. So if you you know you've got seven targets to get here. This screen also tells you how much gold you've collected and how much remains, and how many prisoners you've rescued and how many remained you've got left to cut it's sort of free. The UI in the game tells you your score. So on the main screen, you got your score, your health, the number of grenades you have left, um, and the number of lives. So there's some clever stuff in this as well. So you don't just have a one hit and you're dead. You can take a few hits um there are health packs to pick up um which replenish your health so it's not so punitive there's there's a lot to this you know it doesn't feel like you know in those commando games for carry worries one bullet and you're down in this you can take a couple of hits and you can manage to get, and you can get your health back and you don't lose your lives and you've got five lives as well so it's quite generous so it's you know it's all right usual for tony crow though i know yeah i think it's whoever dave kirby whoever's come in with him sort of thing has maybe toned down the difficulty and sort of added some extra sort of sort of design here the high score in the middle of the UI is also used to tell you how many bases you have blown up. It's got eight digits, and with each one you destroy, one of the digits is highlighted. Very clever. That's a really nice use of the UI and sort of letting you know you know, how many you've done. So that's really nice. A lot of good design here. And reading the Zap review, they just kind of wrote this off as just another commando knockoff. I think there's quite a lot more going on here. We saw this with Rogue, when we, you know where they said, oh, it's just Gauntlet. It's like, no, it's not. There's more, there's more to this than, than I think you're letting on. As you progress, you'll find Jeeps that you can get into, um, and this speeds your movement up. You can rip around in them. They're right little, fast little beetles. So, you know, in Jeeps, they can shoot as well, Um, and you can run soldiers over in them, which is always good. So, you know, and it even has its own health bar to keep an eye on. Now, in one player, you shoot in the direction you're heading in, but in two-player mode, one player drives, and the other aims and shoots independently Hell, if that ain't like an early version of the Warthog in Halo, then I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly that. It's that in it. It's, it's two-player mode. You're shooting in one direction, driving in another. That's just yeah, it's, yeah. A two, it's two, two, two D Halo two D Halo mode. Throughout the game, enemy and friendly planes fly across the level, dropping sort of vertically, dropping enemy hunters. I quite like the way that they sort of parachuted in. Um, the enemy hunters, the red mm, ones, and they'll cool. come after. They'll come after you, and they come after you. You know, they're, they're after you. You'll take them out quickly. Um, But the good ones, they drop extra health and extra grenades um, for you, respectively. So it's all good. There's there's things. there's There's loads of stuff going on in this. It's a busy game. There's always stuff happening. If you blow up the tanks, it allows you to pick up explosive rounds, which you fire instead of bullets. Um, that allows you to blow up the buildings that are dotted around the levels um, and collect the loot inside them. There's loads of stuff. So, you've got destructible landscapes, you've got destructible things, you've got all the enemies to blow up, you've got everything going on. There's stuff blowing up left, right, and center. There's a lot to this game with the interconnected levels, the blowing up buildings, the general mayhem, and the story of like overthrowing a dictator in South America. With all that, all that mayhem, blowing up buildings, I was also reminded heavily of the Just Cause games, yeah, um, which yeah. are essentially the same thing. You know, go to a sort of South American yeah. type place to destroy wait your way through the levels blow stuff up and you know obviously much bigger but it's the same kind of came kind of ethic here the music on the title screen is fine, um carter but it, it feels i'm pretty sure some of it's actually straight ripped from a galway tune i just couldn't place it i was like listening to it, go that's it sounds, sounded familiar it didn't sounded it? It sounded really familiar little little snippets it. I was like that's that's a Galway bit I can't place it. It did sound like a Galway song. I Think it's out of Yeah Kung Fu or something it, it like that. It could very well be yeah which would obviously be Jar uh, I guess then. And the sound effects are a little odd at times because some of them sound like they're out of power droid but you know it's sort of in the interstitial in the start levels and things like that. The graphics are a strange mix of colors They're a weird mix. A weird, it's got a weird look. This game level one is two shades of green and blue. Weird, it's an odd, odd thing. But but I thought the sprites were well animated, um, and all these sort of tanks and everything, and the trains and the planes, they all look quite good. They die well. You know, they flicker into their skeletons. Go, "Eh," I always like that in these kind of games. You know, little, little dying animations always make these kind of bit more interesting. And everything moves at a pace. There's no slowdown that I noticed. There's only just that there's a little small raster flicker for the scrolling down the bottom, but it's easy. You know, it's not that prevalent. You barely notice it, but it's a busy game. This has lots going on and it's all in one load as well. So it's, you know, it's quite, it's quite a chunk of game here in one load. When you die, you're given a funeral, <laughs> which I loved. And your progress and medals are displayed as well. Like the flag flying at half mast, the little guy who comes up and puts your medal on your coffin. I like those kind of things. It's really nicely thought out. It plays similarly to Commando. And I see what they were saying but the levels are weirdly laid out with like odd metallic like barriers barring the way the walls look weird because of the color scheme. It's not quite weird and they're sort of just jutted out and you have to drive around them and stuff. So it plays like Commando in the fact that you're running and gunning and that kind of thing, but it doesn't feel like Commando to me. I thought the design of this was very good and the inclusion of the two-player uh, mode and how this brings something new, like the Jeep and stuff and running around and you know you have to push up and work together. Um, I thought it was really good. Add to that the medals to collect, which let's face it, they're early forms of achievements, um, yeah. you know, because you don't have you don't need to do them you got, don't have to do them but they're like you know if you want to go do them and get earn all seven achievements in the game you can do it. that's kind of a really representation of them feels like a very forward-thinking games in, in, in terms of what it contains i enjoyed this um more than i was expecting to because at first my first play i didn't get all the little side bits i wasn't you know it took me a little while to sort of understand what was going on i wrote this off as a weird looking commando clone so i just ran to that wall got stuck and went uh what and then I started to explore and play and run around and have a dig around and stuff. And I thought, oh, actually, no, there's more to this. So the different things that it was doing, how it structured its levels and the amount of extras around the side. I thought this this really impressed me far more than I was expecting to. And this got 51% compared to Mickey Mouse's 72. It's No, it's just, just no. This is way better. This was way much, much better than that 51%. I mean, this this for me is is pushing 80s. I really, really enjoyed this game. I thought it was great um and i you know i, I would love to sort of have, if i had the time to push further and sort of see how all those levels connect together and try and get those bases blown up it's just i thought it was really good really really enjoyed this it. the best crowd game i've played but um what about you
1: yeah yeah i mean it's um very demo crack intro isn't it i mean i have for, for a while i was thinking ever has this tony craver cracked his own game <laughs> yeah. and just put like a crack throw at the beginning <laughs> but you know, that's the quick, quick... And I think he just thought, you know, if you can't beat him, join him, I can do that kind of stuff. And um, What a quirky thing this game is, isn't it? I yeah. quite liked it. I mean, it's, I think you're exactly right. If you thought that this was just a Commando clone, you'd be way off the mark. There's a lot going on in this game. So this is one of those games where there's a lot more to it than meets the eye initially. Hmm it's sort of it's so well put together and the graphics yeah they get hung up on the graphics in the zap review a little bit they're like oh the graphics oh it's just typical blah 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 i thought maybe they're on the kind of pudgy side maybe but they work and i thought they were detailed enough and it's it it all worked in the space that it was in mm-hmm. so the sprites were the right size you could run around there was no bugs there's plenty of them there's loads of stuff to shoot out and bullets all flying all over the place There was nothing wrong with its code base in this at all um and what you end up with is a really fun um, sort of military exploration game. I mean, it's I, would, um, I wouldn't I would say it was. It has the commando trope of having a single player military figure shooting at things. Mm. But the kind of exploration that Rambo sadly lacked. If Rambo had had this kind of exploration, it would have been more like a Rambo game. Yes. Yeah. So I thought it was really good. The especially nice touch of getting in and out of the vehicles and the two player options, as you said. And it scrolled so smoothly and it was just... It was quite a lot of fun. I found myself getting deeper into the game and finding new things and interesting things about it on a more on quite a continuous basis. I'm like, oh, you can blow the buildings up. Oh, there's things to collect in there. Oh, there's people in there. Oh, I can drive the jeep. Oh, I can do. And, and it's one of those kind of games. And you think this isn't just zaps? Just must have just loaded this up and gone. Eh, another commando clone. Switch you off. Yeah, silly, silly to do that. Um, maybe the price is perhaps you know I
0: don't know if it's nine ninety nine. Is you get a lot of game for your money? I think I think it's deceptive. I th- yeah, I think it's worth. A I think this is a good full price game
1: so the music okay it was very it was a version of something but it was good and it was okay for the game music and all the little touches and around the edges all good graphics nice one load incredible considering we've got multi-load games that are you know nowhere near as good um, I thought this was sadly overlooked by the Zap team who'd written this off with a kind of a smug Beh, another one of those and it really isn't that at all this is one of the I think best to crowd the games by a mile certainly the one that's got the most playability to it, then you don't feel like you're going to have one life and that's it. Mm. Um, It's genuinely good. And it shows you how good a programmer Tony Craver really was because there's some really clever stuff going on in here. Mm. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I think you're right about all those. I mean, I never noted all the little future-facing game tropes, apart from the one with the two-player option, which I thought that is very Halo-y, 8-bit Halo. Mm. Um, But all the other ones, yeah, totally get that. You know, give this a little bit more exploration you go into some of those offices and you have to pick up certain things and you've got yourself a mini military arcade adventure with all the shooty bits as well it's not far off doing that anyway and it's like you said that's straight up the more modern games alleyway isn't it so
0: yeah but it's still. like um, it's kind of a better version of what like infiltrator and what's that other one that microprose one airborne ranger were trying to do in my yeah. opinion this this does it this kind of sits that happy middle between arcade well, and a bit more exploratory Having to work your way through and more stuff to do and stuff. Yeah, so. I mean, you give this game um, a few more vehicles to fly about in and that, and you've got
1: um, Far Cry Two, the eight-bit version, haven't you? Yeah, 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 de- you know, definitely. You're not that far off because if I mean, in all those variations of the sort of map that you go on, put some of those with less in it, like a desert and stuff, and you're not far off that game. So I really like Fernandez Mustang. It's been horribly overlooked, I think, and it's certainly one I would recommend that people go and play because i think it's very deceptive and it's a very clever little thing so yeah i was playing it for ages as well really really i was in that game for ages way longer than i but it was it sort of balanced itself because i wasn't playing
0: some of them for very long <laughs> no but that one i was there for ages well i think it's like what you said it's one of those games that i think both you and i had the same kind of learning experience where at first it just feels like a commander then you see the doors then you get in the jeep mm. and then you can do that and now this player's there and this and now i'm in a different thing and now i go, go downwards and there's, there's, you know, there's all those kind of different things and, oh, I can blow the buildings up and this destruction and yep, there's just things that just keep happening, that um, I yeah. think are, just sort of engage you and that you think, well, what else is there? And then there's, you've, you realise, oh, there's, there's challenges, there's the achievements to go for if I want to really sort of dig Absolutely. into it. Absolutely. And I felt like I had a fighting chance as well, yes. which is nice. You yeah. know, I wasn't just dying and
1: die, dead, 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 done. I was like, you know, I could run around, I could get about, you know, I, I definitely recommend that you go, people who listen to this who regularly think i'll oh, play along with the games definitely
0: check this one out because i think you'd be very surprised i was yeah i was too really good that was yep, going must die there we go that's our four games they've been uh well good start and good end yeah well yeah mickey mouse was you know well drawn mickey was okay yeah yeah there we go that's our first four games we're gonna go take a break um and when we come back we're gonna look at tv um and cinema and just a warning it seems like september 1988 was the time for new shows <laughs> it really does. Um, we'll go have a look through all them in a moment. So see you in a bit.
3: The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? With the help of feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home or is it game over? An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never ending throng of karate experts, and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64.
0: And we're back. We're going to be looking at film and TV all in one big lump for September 1988. So let's get straight into it. First September, Graham, to celebrate BBC Radio 1's FM switch on day, BBC One's Top of the Pops is simulcast. I love that in the word. With that station for the first time, allowing listeners to hear the programme in stereo. 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 <laughs> Stereo, this, edition is presented, <laughs> this edition is presented by Steve Wright and Mark Goodyear. Top of the Pops is then simulcast weekly with Radio 1 until August 1991. Wow, well, I, you know, I didn't know
1: that. There's a few things I didn't know there. Go on. I didn't know. It completely blew my mind that Radio 1 wasn't on FM until 1988.
0: Yeah, you just take it for granted, don't you? That's where it is. Yeah. 98.1 or
1: 0.8. And all there because the police moved frequency. What, Who like knew? Sting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the UK police, it says, <laughs> we're occupying the ninety-seven to ninety-nine megahertz frequency range. So oh. Sting got told to, you know, sling his hook. Sling his hook, back to the moon. And they moved to the 100 megahertz frequency, and mm. that left the 97 to 99 available, of which Radio 1. And weirdly, Radio 1 was the only one that wasn't on FM out of all the BBC stations. Really? Yeah. Do you know why? Why? Because they thought that it would clutter up the dials of radio displays if they had too many in the little area. Right, okay. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? So yeah, so it just threw me completely that Radio 1 wasn't in stereo until 1988. That's well late in the day, isn't it? That
0: is, yeah. I'm surprised it was that late. I, I mean, I don't remember. I just remember it happening. But I remember this being a big deal and it went into stereo and simulcast and you yeah. could listen to it. And
1: Some people, Adrian, celebrated in unusual ways. Did they? The group Bross were just flown around in a helicopter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, are they still up there? <laughs> so,
1: yeah, they, they were never let back down again. It just <laughs> flew off. Um, weird, isn't it? And apparently only 65% of the UK
0: was covered by the FM transmission in 1988, though. It's just
1: mad. It's just you, you just assume that the
0: whole of the UK would have it. Well, is that 65% of the land mass or is that population? If it's the land mass, I'm not surprised. You don't want it like on top of ilkley Moor. i don't area. know
1: i don't know but it was only 65 percent of the uk was covered by the transmissions so yeah. i'm guessing that's where the that's the landmass
0: i guess all yeah, right so well that's weird yeah it's strange
1: that. i will post a little advert I'll, I'll stick Well, i won't post it i'll stick a little sample there's a little the intro the trailer for when radio one was going to fm there's a little trailer that you can i'll put it's not a really good audio quality but it's hilarious so uh, I'll, put, okay. I'll, 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 I'll put that right now
3: This is Radio 1 FM, testing on 98.4 megahertz. Yes, Radio 1 FM is coming soon on this frequency. Switch on date is Thursday, the 1st of September. No more mushy medium wave with
0: all that interference. From the 1st of September on this frequency, you'll be able to hear Radio 1 in clear, exciting FM stereo. Make a note of the frequency. 98.4 megahertz for Radio 1 FM.
1: And then... People can listen to that, and make up what they think, because it's quite funny.
0: I haven't heard it, so I'm going to listen back and and go, hang on, mate, go. <laughs> yeah, it's <that's> funny.
1: Good <laughs> okay. word of warning, though. I don't know if I will put it in in um, stereo, which kind of defeats the purpose of putting it in, but it does um, massively. Yeah. But... <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> anyway. Second of <laughs> September, TSW, Grampian, and Border begin their 24-hour broadcasting. They're all getting in on, on it. Around yeah, the and they're,
1: all, they're all nicking Granada's nighttime service because that's what it was for all of them. Oh, was it? Yep. Yeah. They, were, they were simulcasting.
0: Simulcast. That's the word of the day, I think. Simulcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, 7th September, repeat showing of Paul Hammond's death row documentary, 14 Days in May, telling the story of the final days of Edward Earl Johnson as he awaits execution on Mississippi death row on BBC One. The film is followed on 14th September by The Journey, in which lawyer Clive Stafford-Smith returns to Mississippi in an attempt to posthumously clear Johnson of the crimes to which he always professed his innocence. Happy. That's, that's chirpy, isn't it? Yeah. Was,
1: he, um, was he actually innocent in the end? Was he pronounced innocent? I have no idea. I didn't
0: look into it. I don't know. Crazy. I guess, will we ever Will we ever know? Will, did they ever know? Well, somebody know.
2: will find
1: out. Now, somebody who listens to this podcast will probably know.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. 7th September. Also, BBC2 screened the Time Watch episode, Shadow of the Ripper, written and hosted by Christopher Frailing, It looks at the 100-year-old Jack the Ripper murders. That's happy. Yeah, absolutely i mean it's no point is that we all know that uh, jack the ripper was a hundred foot sea serpent i mean everyone everyone knows this is common knowledge
1: was he in <laughs> fact a 60 foot sea serpent from scotland yes
0: <laughs> did, did we make this <laughs> podcast for a quick buck keep you warm tonight <laughs> yeah. if
1: and if you're wondering what we're talking about go and watch we've said this so many times now it's, it's getting boring <laughs> absolutely go and watch amazon women on the moon for goodness sake <laughs> absolutely join us in <laughs> saying bullshit Oh, no. Bullshit. I've actually got that. I'm going to put that sample in right here. Extraterrestrials, strange phenomena, missing persons, lost continents, myths, and monsters. We examine these mysteries to determine are they bullshit or not? <laughs> so I have that as a little sample. <laughs> I was going to use it as my when I got a text message on my phone, but no, never do that.
0: Never, <laughs> never do, that. do that in a meeting. <laughs>
1: no, don't do that.
0: <laughs> so, we want to do this bullshit or not.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't. I used to have um, many moons ago when I worked in a very large branded telecoms company, we'll say. I won't name them. I once changed my um, receiving email tone to the sound of Frank from Blue Velvet going, <laughs> let's fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not. What it didn't wasn't what you call classic management friendly at the time. It seemed like a really funny idea. My my friend, another podcast friend, um, Paddy will uh, no doubt be chuckling to himself because he sat next <laughs> to me when that thing went off, and we all chuckled. at them. we all were like, "Oh, that's bad. We should maybe I shouldn't have done that." So yeah, you know, did it's did like the time
0: I changed my uh, screensaver on my uh, when I was working in a similarly big company. I changed my screensaver to the words "You are nothing," and for you, that's a step up. <laughs> I went for a break and then I came back and the managing director had wandered past (laughs) and seen it. My boss was not happy with me. (laughs) (laughs) Fight club territory, that.
1: Just go in his office and pull a fight club on him.
0: Yeah, I guess it was a bit. 8th September, Channel 4 drops plans to invite Sinn Féin leader Gerry Adams to appear on an edition of its late night discussion program After Dark. Following objections from other contributors, yeah, God, they let Ollie read on,
1: yeah. Like anyone ever watched that show? Anyway, the the the, t- the two viewers of it were like, oh, <laughs> had an well. of four, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the people on it. That's the one. The only program, it's the only program in British TV history that's viewing figures went to single figures.
0: It's amazing, generally amazing. Uh, 9th September, Casualty returns to BBC One for a third series, moving from its previous Saturday evening slot to Friday evenings. There we go. So you've yes. got you've got a list here, haven't you, or something? What's this? So
1: I found because casualty is a causality. Sorry, as I like causality. To call it. Yes, causality is a program of if anything unusual deaths.
0: It is. Well, are
1: they unusual? Are they just accidental, incidental? I don't know. But key part of the narrative of causality is that guy places <laughs> badly wired plug on sofa falls asleep. though, no, his acid bottle that you happen to have falls on his, I don't know, The, th- the accidents happen is the, <laughs> is the first rule of causality. And then it led me onto this website, which was, an, and it's a wiki page, which we'll post in the show notes. It's a big, long list of unusual deaths.
0: From casualty or just in general? No, these are just general deaths. Oh, I thought they were from casualty. I was like, I No, no, li-
1: no. Okay. No, no this And I did look for one that was specific to casualty, but it's because it's a soap opera. There's mainly deaths of characters in there, and beloved characters of this of which there's been quite a few. Mm. And so much has happened in the, in that short space, of, well, fairly long space of time that causality has been broadcast. You know, there's been, I think, the hospital's even burned down a couple of times in that. So it's the classic soap <laughs> thing. But I was going to try and sort of configure a game to play, <laughs> but I don't think it
0: really works, does it? with just real.
1: No, because it's just because it's a bit moribund. Um, because this some something. These, these are genuinely real people who've died and i thought oh, i can't really just list off you know sat chuckling away at people who've you know made horrible mistakes
0: And i suppose it just becomes a darwin awards doesn't it
1: yeah it is because i mean and there's people in that list like steve irwin who i thought was an amazing guy who was obviously pierced in the heart by a short tail stingray's <sighs> so barb so weird. um but every now and again just once throws it so, pops out at you there's a the guy here who died in a fold up bed i'm not going to say i figured if i don't say the names and just say how they happened, that, you know So a guy died in a fold-up bed. There's a guy that died from painful bottom injuries. (laughs) I don't... In fact, I'm not going to go any further with that one. A guy was killed by a lava lamp which exploded and a shard of the glass pierced his heart. Oh, Yeah, crazy. A guy was killed through the suction from a hot tub drain. He got drowned. It's just... It's honestly... This list is mad. We'll post it in the show notes. It's just a mad list of... Because if, if if everyone says to you, God, imagine if anyone's, if anyone's ever been injured doing that, I can tell you, not only they've been injured, they've probably been dead. Guy got killed by a cricket ball. The guy got his head stuck down a rabbit hole and died. Um, so it was just so many stuff like that. Guy was sucked into an aircraft jet
0: engine. Oh, you know that'll do. <laughs> it always reminds me mad. of the. Um the old uh, David Baddiel stand-up routine where he, he had this list of weird deaths. And there's this one that he, he says about where this guy was found, he was naked, he had a bin bag over himself, over his head, that he tied up, and he was found suffocated. But inside it, and obviously some sexual thing, but inside it was a budgie. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, 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 uh, although the death's quite tragic sort of thing, the, the, the sketch routine is like, how do you get to that point as a, as, as a sexual fetish how do you get to the point where, well, if I put a bag over my head, oh, then I need a budgie. Just odd. The last couple of things I'd say is there's one
1: particular one that caught my eye here where there was a pallbearer of a guy carrying his mother's coffin to a funeral and he slipped, oh, fell dear. over, and the coffin landed on him and hit him on the head and killed him. She's kind of an awkward twist. And then finally, there was one I was reading about, which is is sort of semi-humorous. Um, a, a man was tragically, a hunter, was a, a big game hunter, um, was tragically killed with his own rifle. And when the police came to investigate it, they just found that all that was left there was this 4x4. His rifle was on the seat, his sort of high velocity rifle was on the seat. The dog was sat there and his body with his head blown, blown off. And when the police finally got to sort of testing, find, trying to figure out what happened, it turned out that the dog had inadvertently sniffed the trigger of the gun. Oh, um, and it'd blown his owner's brain out, and the way they knew it is because there was a nose print on the trigger. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, well, just there was. I just mentioned this these two dog nose holes yeah. on the trigger, and a dog sat there going, "Right, yeah." So uh, you're gonna be because apparently the the guy'd been mean, allegedly been mean to his dog as well. So maybe the dog was like, "Right, that's that's you, dud mate." Boom. Cut
0: well,
1: his head off. Well, there you go. Anyway, you go, go. On this, go and look up that website, <laughs> but just to remember, don't have
0: nightmares. Don't have nightmares. <laughs> Nick Frosters don't have nightmares. <laughs> 17th September uh, to the 2nd of October the 1988 Summer Olympics are held in Seoul South Korea and broadcast to television audiences around the world the BBC provides live coverage as does ITV in conjunction with Channel 4 this was to be the final time that ITV would broadcast the Olympic Games and Channel 4's only broadcasted the Olympics ITV shows daytime coverage while Channel 4 is the overnight and breakfast coverage
2: Mm.
0: yeah it's because I think after about 1988 no one really
1: cared I didn't watch a lot of the Seoul Olympics although the idea of there being a Seoul Olympics must have sort of caught the <laughs> out caught the interest of the seventies uh um sort of you know soul, soul brigades. Yeah, the soul train, the soul olympics. I imagine <laughs> there's just a really long soul train. People of the world
2: for <laughs> The Soul Olymp- Olympics. Train.
1: That's it, and they're all just in they want that the world's longest line, like an Olympic line. Imagine that's how they uh, how they lit it. They like, were just dancing. The two of people like funking out, dancing to the Soul Train and then with the t- Olympic torches. Like, Ey! that, would be,
0: that cool. would be good.
1: I would good. I would have watched that. But no, I don't remember much about the Soul Olympics.
0: I would have. At all. Yeah, no. 20th of September, more tragedy. The actor Roy Kinnear dies at the age of Goodness. 54, who the previous day had fallen from a horse during the making of the return of the Musketeers in Toledo, Spain. Quite sad, really, died. Yeah, sad. I know he's probably on that list. He probably is,
1: yeah. Fell off a horse. Uh, I like Roy, Roy uh, Kinnear. He was always a fun actor to watch.
0: He was, yeah. He was a bit of a mainstay of staple of uh, British comedy shows yeah, and absolutely. films, wasn't he? And he was brilliant, as, uh, he was brilliant in the uh, first two Musketeer films, always muttering away under his breath, getting
1: yeah. stuff to do. He's yeah. in, um, in The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother as well, so go and watch
0: that. 30th of September, presenters Mike Smith and Sarah Green are seriously injured in a helicopter crash oh, in Gloucestershire. Yeah, and they got Dude. married, engaged, and married after that horrific accident. And that is, I don't know how they got out of that. Look at that picture oh, that you It's
1: unbelievable, in. isn't it? I mean, they were both quite badly injured in that. Yeah. But it's a bloody miracle they survived that crash.
0: Yeah, because it's just folded up on itself, is not it? It's just. Yeah, it's yeah, just...
1: absolutely. It's, it's, it looks like one of my toys from circa about <laughs> 1978. Yeah. You know, whenever I had one of them, it had been pat chewed by a dog, stood on a few times. No, and that's what they ended up sort of trash. That was my, you know, it looks horrible,
0: unbelievable, really. Mad yeah. that they got married after that as well. Yeah, they did. There we go. That's that's TV right back into, into new shows. Third September, Noel's Saturday Roadshow ran for a couple of years. Precursor, isn't it? The BBC's infatuation with Noel Edmonds at this point.
2: Well, was
1: yeah, I mean, it started on Saturday Swap Shop, hadn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it just never seemed to be off the TV one way or the for a while.
0: No, um, he's he's always he's always coming up with these catchy ideas. You seen what his most recent one is? I saw something where he gets no. people to look at products. This was on Gogglebox. He gets he gets it's a quiz show, and he like he puts three products. He goes like, right, here's Sainsbury's tonic water. Here's Sweeps tonic water and here's some other tonic water list them in order of price and people have to work out which is the cheapest and which is the most expensive
1: right. well, That's a bleak <laughs> he, game when they show, say something
0: he reveals it oh, like but you know you watch it and you're like oh you actually get quite invested i don't know noel edmunds he's got the gift of that thing you just i mean how stupid if you would pitch deal or no deal to anybody yeah yeah what's in the box what's yeah. in the box yeah not you know thing his head but to, what, what was there any skill to it no. So no, someone no. walks out and there's 15 people there with boxes and they just have to eliminate them one by one until they get down and the banker sort of offers them money and they can accept it. I think, yeah, that's it. Well, you have any questions? No. Weird. Any quiz? No. I mean, he, um, this was the original version of what became
1: Noel's House Party, this uh, Noel's Saturday Roadshow. This it introduced big, the yeah. Gunge Tank, the Gotcha Oscars, and the Wait Till I Get Home sequences, which were all carried into the other subsequent shows. Is the Gotcha
0: one the one where they sort of go to someone's house now? Did that one? They set up someone's house and then
2: they
1: turn no, no, them on. No, no, no. That was. Um, I'm not sure what that was. A newer one. The gotcha, gotchas are where they. T- it was a bit like what used to be Beatles sort of set up.
0: Ah, oh, right. Okay. So yeah. So game for a laugh type thing. Yeah,
1: that Beatles about type idea. Yeah, where you know, yeah, and okay. then he'd, it would spring up. But it was on done on celebrities, I think. So they would spring out and go gotcha with his okay. little joystick thing. I think. Um, and of course now it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, nobody wanted <laughs> that. Pops the little what's it. Pops his little what's it out. Um, and it's obviously now repeated by Ant and Deck with their Saturday Takeaway and Michael McIntyre's kind of yeah, you know, indeed. game show it, stuff that he's doing. It,
0: it did kind of set the, I mean, it's it sort of built on that earlier format. It kind of like took the generation game and those kind yeah, of things. Yeah, completely, it sort of evolution of those things, wasn't it? Just to something like, let's just make yeah. it a massive, what was the other one? There was the... What, I suppose Game for a Laugh was an early precursor to this yeah, as well. Yeah, but
1: the, if you think there's little bits of um, Don't Forget Your Toothbrush and things like that sort of all rolled into this, really. Yeah,
0: well, that took its influence from this, didn't it? This was early Yeah, totally, yeah. That, yeah. So
1: that's so, what I mean, but this like, that sort of format for that show and a big audience, participatory stuff, lots of running around in the audience. They still do it now, so it's, yeah, I say it's, yeah, yeah. it's Ant and Dec doing it now, but same sort of thing.
0: True. 3rd of September, Eggs and Baker.
1: I resent this show and all <laughs> it stands for. <laughs> why because i bloody knew as soon as i saw the name i didn't even i need to even look it up to know that that was cheryl baker in a cookery show yeah because (laughs) because i know that because if i'd have been around i would have thought of that
0: (laughs) true it ran for five years remember that
1: i remember my game show idea was Punch and judy where judy finnegan was asking questions and if they didn't know the answers frank bruno punched him in the face i do i've got (laughs) eggs and baker Honestly, come on. Yep. Bloody. Show. She was still in bloody uh, books Fizz when she was doing that show, so periodically she had to either nip off to do books Fizz stuff or she'd bring books Fizz on the show and they'd just do a musical number halfway through. Well, if you've got your own show, why not? Eggs and know. Baker. Good to <laughs> speak. Why wasn't that Tom Baker anyway?
0: That would have been much more interesting because he sells them, doesn't he, for like one to nine dozen? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> As we, we've, seen, we've seen the photographic proof. Photographic evidence exists of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, also on 3rd of September later on in the evening you could have watched the first episode of the Hitman and Her oh. I knew you'd love this I knew it I knew it. as soon as I saw that it started I was like Graham's gonna like this
1: as soon as I see the words Hitman and Her I hear that stupid cocoon Time Rider music <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put a sample of it right now Right. Okay. Oh <laughs> hey, goodness, Pete Waterman. What? Who came?
0: It was Pete Waterman came up with it, didn't he? It was his idea? Yeah. When it's just cheapest of cheap, isn't it? That he basically just travelled around northern nightclubs and filmed it. Apparently, he was sat one night switching through the TV channels late at
1: night, and there was some documentary about something really boring. He was like, "This is rubbish." And then from that, he decided to go around all the nightclubs in Britain filming people doing stupid drunk rubbish with McAnes Strachan,
0: of all people. Yeah. Was it not live? I thought it was live. No, it was. It was recorded earlier in the. Saturday, because those, those and people then played it later. pretty pretty drunk.
1: Yeah, it was recorded on the same day. They just they recorded it in the evening, so sort of late, so ten o'clock ish, and then it was broadcast at two or three a.m. on it. So
0: okay, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Crazy. it was
1: live ish, if you can call it that, and it was a bit. Well, we all know what the the I mean, it was. No surprise that a lot of Stockacre and Waterman tracks were played on that particular show.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah.
1: So you know, it was an outlet for a lot of their, their stuff. But I I watched it. I Me and Gary and you as well to some extent, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. But but this this we had to watch it.
0: It was classic. Coming home from the club, <laughs> it was it's like one two <laughs> o'clock. Yeah, just sat there, put his Hitman hair on, and going, oh god, it has to be this done. It's rubbish. And it's on for hours. It was I mean, the <laughs> show was about two hours long. Yeah, they were there were long
1: shows. They were, And it had all these little sections in it, past the mic. The, the discoveries were made in that show. Sonya was discovered in that show. Oh, was she? Yeah, and then later went on to you know, do tracks for Stark Aiken and Waterman and stuff like what that. What a shock. Legendary thing, past the mic, where they got drunk people to do crap karaoke. Yeah. And then there was the, there was the style bit, the, the bit where there was people who used to show off their f- fancy club style and clothes. Oh, it's, al- it's actually hilarious when you think about it now.
0: It all interspersed with just
1: songs and people dancing. It was a long old show, loads of discoveries in it, but it was compulsive watching. And Michaela Strachan was, she was kind of good looking at that time, wasn't she? Oh,
0: God, yeah, yeah. She was easy
1: on the eye. Yeah, she was, she was, yeah, she was lovely.
0: Yeah. Hitman you <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure everybody. I reckon everybody that listens to this in the UK watched it. I reckon oh, without a doubt, the, the demographic of our listeners will be watching well, around our age. They're going to be watching Without this. a doubt. Yeah. Uh, also, 3rd of September, Motormouth started, which was a Saturday morning to children's television series produced by TVS and broadcast across the ITV network for four series. It was presented by five-strong lineup of Post. The two of them had previously been on number 73, Neil Buchanan and Andrew Arnold, yep. joined by new recruits Caroline Hansen, Caroline Hansen, Tony Gregory, and Julian Ballantyne don't remember much of Motor Mouth. Did you remember much of Motor no, Mouth?
1: No, by this point, I was totally out of watching the morning shows, really. Yeah, certainly I was... anything ITV were producing, so.
0: Yeah, and anything pre-12 o'clock, I want to awake.
1: Yeah, or if I was going to watch anything, because I don't know if Going Live's on now yet, but if it's, if it's not there, it's heading that way, and that was it. I was watching Trevor and Simon Trevor and all Trevor and Simon, that,
0: so. yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: Motor Mouth, never got a look in.
0: No, also 3rd of September, Square Deal.
1: (laughs) Nothing of that.
0: Uh, It's a British sitcom created by Richard Dominick, which ran for two series. Uh, The series starred Lisa Ann McLaughlin and Tim Bentink as Nigel and Emma Barrington, a yuppie couple whose apparently comfortable lifestyle is brusquely shaken by the arrival on the scene of Sean, an incurable and impoverished young romantic. Sounds wishy-washy. Yeah, well, supposedly it becomes a love triangle and then she finds that he's more interesting and he finds someone else more interesting as well. Uh, Nigel does. So they both end up splitting up by the sounds of it. Doesn't sound so there's not nothing square about that at all. No, there was actually um, in the US, there was a KFC deal by the same name. and I've linked them to an advert there for it. So the Square Deal KFC, where there's a man really, <laughs> really enjoying his chicken in that advert. So mm, it's worth a watch. Good chicken. Uh, 5th of September, No Frills, another British sitcom. It consists of seven episodes. That did well. Start starred Kathy Staff. Do you remember her? She was uh, Nora Batty. I was going to say No. oh God. She's a recently widowed woman who moved from Oldham to live in London with her divorced daughter, Kate, and goth granddaughter, Susie. Um, I've mm. linked there to the opening episode. Uh, I got. I didn't get more than two minutes in. No, it was it was awful. Awful. It won't
1: be good, will it? It, terrible, a, it terrible, was terrible.
0: Terrible. Awful. The, it's just the goth. The goth granddaughter just made me laugh loads. Like, just some reason we just couldn't get
1: the formula, could we? Every now and again we get it really right, but there's so much rubbish in between. Oh god! Whereas, yeah.
0: the, in the, whereas the US tend to get it more right than not. So friends, Fraser. Yeah, Is that only because that's the only ones we get over here? The ones that actually make it. There's probably thousands of ones that don't work quite possibly but we know we we do we produce a lot of turds as well yes
1: Um, but we get it right now and again but these ones they're just so naff aren't they when they come across you like rubbish, they're they're
0: really bad 5th of september as well we had jim henson's mother goose stories i watched the intro to this that theme tune is no fraggle rock i can say that for
1: sure very sanitized isn't it very safe very you know kids very kids kids show that
0: yeah it was a children's television hosted by mother goose who tells her three goslings the stories behind well-known nursery rhymes i don't remember that all also 5th of september tube mice i hate that show <laughs> i've never watched it Brilliant, uh, animated series british children's animated series uh, about the adventures of mice who dwell in the tunnels of the london underground little tube just add the word badly animated oh yeah it's bad uh but this had some characters voiced by terry and arthur from minder did yeah it did It was arthur, arthur daly and terry strong it was playing two sort of dirty mice yeah i can only i can only think that they would just it was trying to sort of do that danger mouse thing where you had david jason and uh terry scott
1: and they sound exactly like this they sound the same as they so they play the same characters yeah they're not putting on voices
0: either it's just george no. it's just george cole it's, Yeah, it's, it's just them, just, just yeah, them. it's weird <laughs> it's dead odd really strange. It's not very good anyway there's the opening episode there i'll link to 6th september count duckula no no, no a Spin-off nobody wanted. <laughs> no, it was a spin-off from Danger Mouse, where he was a, a, a bad guy for sort of one of the enemies every now and again, and he got his own. Uh, ran for five years. It was uh, quite big, and each one was twenty-two minutes long, and there was sixty-five episodes were made. Incredible, it lasted that long. Really, it was crap. Yeah, I know. One, one for me, that one. Seventh uh, September, Toxvig. I got this from some website. This information-based magazine program was aimed at 10 to 14-year-olds and Sandy Toxvig, who's name was, named, was accompanied in an offbeat look at the world by Paddy Ward, Vincent Brimble, Deddy Davis, Janet Spencer-Turner and Christopher Whittingham and Jules Denby, who played an sum of characters from spontaneously combusting tea ladies to a spoof Fat Man and Robin. Mm. Mm. Did you watch any of it? Yes, I watched a bit. I watched the beginning bit. Apart from the... Because it has the intro
1: that sort of occurs before it, where the guys sat in front of four ginormous Borsatec um, CRT <laughs> yeah. monitors. And then the opening sketch featured so many horrible stereotypes, one after another, that yep. it could actually be used as a lesson on how to not be stereotypical. Because <laughs> yeah. no, it's set in Italy, and there's an like, Italian waiter goes, Oh, Mamma Mia. And then it's like, and then there's a British guy going, Oh, ignore them, dear. When they wave their hands in the air, and it's just, it's awful. Yep. It's awful.
0: No. i did read though that it was it was three months from initial idea to airing and they, wrote, wow. they were they were writing two scripts a week sandy Toxwig and the other and the other woman who wrote it so there was no quality control it was just churn churn out and make no kidding there was no quality pitching the idea no, to it being there was, made. No, there was no humor in it no there wasn't no Awful. and i watched a bit as well where they do the bit about whether they get kids in sort of on a panel you know around sort of having a chat about issues and stuff yeah, going
2: on I issues
0: like that as well <sighs> 12th september stop it and tidy up yeah, Another British animated children's cartoon. Um, I didn't know anything about it. Stop It and Tidy Up. It's got this episode, two protagonists, Stop It and Tidy Up, interacting with various other inhabitants of the mythical land of Do As You're Told. Oh, for God's sake. Each episode is five minutes' length and narrated by Terry Wogan.
1: Yes, this we're deep into BBC, you know, anti-BBC here. Mm-hmm. And bloody terry wogan honestly <laughs> i mean I, I, he has got an unmistakable voice old wogie but he was voice of eurovision money he? he was the voice of eurovision and of course the uh, floral dance he was i wondered if you crossed the hulk with terry wogan would you get hulk wogan <laughs> and what would that be what would happen what would that be like
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably hulk wogan <laughs> 12th of september defenders of the earth
2: defenders of the earth Defender. The sky, his rockets ignite. Jets into battle, life faster than Flash Flashcord, lord of the jungle, the hero who stalks. The beasts call him brother, the ghost of war. defenders of the earth, defenders. Master of magic, spells, and illusion. Enemies crumble in fear and confusion. and drink, defenders of the earth, defenders.
3: Strength is a legend. His skills conquer all. Armed with his power, we never will fall. No, no, defenders
2: of the Earth, defenders. With our new young heroes proving their worth, or become eight, defending the Earth. Defenders of the Earth, defenders.
1: Defenders of the Earth. Oh, you've got to say it properly. Defenders, defenders of, of the, the Earth. earth. Out of the sky, his rockets ignites.
0: (laughs) The the bit I always remember is, Master of magic, spells and delusion. Enemies crumble in fear and confusion. Mandrake. Mandrake, defenders of the The earth. earth. (laughs) Great theme tune. Really good theme tune. Four become eight, defending the world. (laughs) It's brilliant. Defenders
1: of the Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's a classic, that one
0: yeah like I said I'll remember it's the theme tune because it mentions Mandrake and no one survives his attention so it's an anim- American animated <laughs> television series producing 86 featuring characters from three comic strips Flash Gordon the Phantom and Mandrake the Magician and Mandrake's assistant Lothar and they were opposing Ming the Merciless in the year 2015 that's a confusing setup.
1: <laughs> it's just loads of characters that have quirky things it's really weird they all have things that conveniently can be made into small accessories that can be packaged into plastic
0: <laughs> that's true there's the children as well Rick Gordon son of Flash LJ son of Lothar Kshin adopted son of Mandrake and Jeddah Walker daughter of the Phantom interesting
1: now there are some things that are interesting about that and one of those things is the diverse range of characters in terms of, and I'm just going to put it out there bluntly, in terms of their skin color in this, mm-hmm. um, which is a really good thing. So, because a lot of the time, a lot of these early, some of the early cartoons were a bit white man cartoons and, and that wasn't very nice. They weren't very very representative of all the, the diverse cultures of the world. Defense of the Earth does have a variety of different cultures and different and yeah, skin tones and all of that. in, And it's good for that. It's good. It's diverse. I like it. It's good that that. It's a good, it's a good thing to have at that time as well. So the actual cartoon is gibberish and crazy, yeah. But its heart was in the right place, I think, in that aspect.
0: I mean it's a bit of a shame that Lothar, who is the main black character, is Mandrake's assistant.
1: Yeah, there is that. It's stupid really, but um at least they've got they've got women represented in there in stronger characters and stuff like that. It's just it was quite interesting to see how they, they were doing that, and that's that's a good thing. Nowadays yeah. we've got the Avengers, which sort of you know to- totally takes up the reins. Um I'm surprised that these Defense of the Earth haven't been made into some kind of film or have they? God, probably probably straight to D V D is there just as an aside to this has flash gordon ever made an appearance since that one with the queen music and brian blessed going hawk
0: and all I that don't, i don't i don't think so maybe goodness I don't know.
1: me is that, that so that's the definitive flash gordon movie that yeah goodness me wow yeah! Wow, okay. with
0: uh, Timothy Dalton.
1: Yeah, freeze, you bloody bastards! Wanton swearing in <laughs> that always makes me laugh. Wanton, Wanton. And the guy from Blue Peter who got killed by him as well, stabbed with that dagger. Yeah.
0: Did he? I thought he died. I thought he died from putting his hand in the rock.
1: No, that 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 gives him the madness, and then he begs to be killed by the Barry. Oh yeah. He? Well,
0: yeah. I mean, he did spare be killed. me
1: the madness. So he stabbed him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 14th September, the true story of Spit McPhee. Um, this is definitely one for our Australian listeners. If you could help us out here, I've got the first episode here. This is a 1988 Australian miniseries set in the 1930s and based on a novel by James Aldrich. I don't remember this at all.
1: Never heard of it.
0: No. no. No, but um, happy to have someone inform us of what the hell this all was all about. 15th September, The Snorks. <laughs> I
1: don't remember that
0: either. I watched them and they did look familiar, but it's an animated television series produced by Hanna Barbara, total of four seasons from September 15th, 84 to 1989. The program wow. continues to be available in syndication as part of the fantastic world of Hanna Barbara's third season. Wow. Okay. God, who knew? Told you, so many new series this month. Eighteenth September on the record was a BBC political television series that replaced the BBC political television series. This week, next week, um, oh, wow. we got we got rid of that. It was presented by David Dimbleby, ran for a total of four hundred and ninety-two editions. Produced oh, well, the interview, the
1: serious politician chats, wasn't it? On that it one, was, and things yes. like that.
0: Which, apart from two special ones, were all sixty minutes long. That's quite a lot in it. That's quite a it's lot. A lot, lot. Of footage. It's a long time, yeah. Yeah. Twenty third of September, a gentleman's club. Oh, lord. Another British television sitcom broadcast in the UK, BBC Two. It was set in the fictional Albany Club in London, and the series dealt with the changes afoot when the club was forced to move with the times and admit women. My lord, it sounds crap. (laughs) It <laughs> doesn't look good from the bit I looked at. Uh, that, that's from Nostalgia Central, which is a we- website I found which has a li- r- sort of lowdown on all these t- TV shows. Unless it's,
1: uh, unless it's like Phoenix Night, so that could be quite funny, but
0: it won't it didn't, be. It didn't look like it was. No. no. More interestingly, 23rd of September saw so the uh, <laughs> premiere of Beauty and the, the Beast. <laughs> interesting is a word you could use for that. <laughs> it's very interesting. Catherine, Vincent. Catherine, Vincent. <laughs> utterly <laughs> stupid crap. Yeah. So for those who don't, I mean, I don't know. It's got basically, it's got Sarah Connor, someone who looks like David St. Hubbins. <laughs> <laughs> that's the beast.
1: It's what happens if a cat merged with a hair metal guitarist.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's what <laughs> Joey Tempest is reminding me of. <laughs> He's slowly turning into The Beast. He is. My God, look at that. But this is, it's a basically, it's a serial, it's one of those American TV shows from the late 80s that we got over here, which was Weekly Adventures of Sarah Connor and The Beast. It's Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. Did you watch this much? No, you- I bloody well didn't. <laughs>
1: utterly, utterly crap.
0: Yeah, I didn't watch and it much
1: Over-romanticised crap as well. And his stupid, stupid makeup. No. <laughs> What's wrong with his makeup? It looks stupid. It's just, (laughs) it's just. Honestly, it's just stupid. I don't like the way they did his top lip. It ran for three seasons. Oh, it's just, it's weird. It's. I don't know what. What is he? I guess he's a beast, but he's not, is he? He's just. He tried out for Metallica and he didn't get in. It's Ron Perlman. Yeah, can you not tell by the eyes?
0: No, I couldn't.
1: Yeah, it's Ron Perlman, but just honestly, someone said to you, Ron Perlman and. Sarah Connor, you wouldn't instantly think that image.
0: <laughs> Would not. Oh, we'll do now though. So if Ron Perlman
1: was genetically merged with a uh um, Joey Tempest. With Joey Tempest and a tiger, um, that's what you have. And even her hair, her hair was actually straight when she went into that picture. It just instantly went to that sort of crimpled effect. <laughs> it was the amount of it was the amount of lacquer coming off his <laughs> that just floated through the air and just boofed her hair up. Just and that's just one of many publicity pictures, some of them on the you can Google these yourself. Some of them are so horrific, I couldn't bear to look at them. <laughs> I
0: moved on quickly. She must have
1: felt weird kissing that. Poor old Sarah Connor. No Catherine. wonder she went all military and then went on a kill crazy. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. She must have been so thankful when Terminator 2 got me.
1: Absolutely.
0: The 23rd of September as, uh, as well, we could have watched the first episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Wow. Was that the first time in the UK? It seems it ages is. ago. It was. Yeah, I remember watching it. Um, I watched it again because I've linked here to the first episode. It's got, the first episode has, I can't remember, it's some American guy, Arden Chandler or someone, who I recognise but I can't remember his name. It's got Josie Lawrence, Paul Merton. Of course and what's his face? Oh, I've got his name now. Is He's, he's the, always the one at the end, the posh one, the one who always is it. No, John Sessions. John Sessions, all oh, right. Yeah, okay. because in the in the first episode, they have to, the first game, they have to do a book story in the style of an author that they've chosen. So we get Stephen King. Well, I can't remember her name. Lucy, here we wrote Little Women, um, is Josie Lawrence. And then we get Paul Merton doing the people who wrote Jack and Jill or whatever. And then he does, uh, John Sessions does Charles Dickens. It's good. I mean, it's one of those shows that uh, was on, it lasted about twelve years, but lasted a lot longer in the states. I think.
1: Yeah, it was going on for years there, wasn't it? And by the way, uh, sadly, John Sessions passed away in uh, November twenty
0: twenty. Oh, i said. He was always funny. Was I always funny liked his that. bits. There were some classic episodes of that. It was just that was a staple half past ten Friday yes, night viewing. It was. And it was it would never fail to make me laugh. I always used to like I think thingy as well. Clive uh, Clive Anderson. Clive, Anderson. Clive Anderson was good in that. Yeah, Clive, Clive Anderson and- did it. He, did the, he presented it, didn't he? He
1: presented it, yeah. But it had Greg Proops in there. You had that, it was that large American comedian. Uh, Yeah,
0: um, uh, Mike McShane.
1: Mike McShane, he was really good. And there's some really good, sort of fun stuff in there. Josie Lawrence was always good. She was just really unusually hot
0: back then as well. Yeah, she was, yeah. I remember, I remember us all sort of going, wow, Josie Lawrence is a bit of all right. Yeah, so you had Paul Merton, Josie Lawrence, Sandy Toxvig, Peter Cook was on it, George Bent, Jonathan Price. He was very funny when he was on it. Greg Proops, Mike McShane, uh, Tony Slattery, Ryan Styles. Colin Mockery Colin
1: Mockery that was it I really Um, like Colin Mockery
0: yeah loads of they had the musical ones Richard Vranch doing the music it was John Sessions Stephen Fry Hugh Laurie they've all been on it it was just one of those it was just it was just a great program very funny just showed how funny those people were just to come up with stuff on the fly Yeah, Um, and some great moments I really enjoyed Whose lines It anyway and finally 25th of September you could have watched The Franchise Affair no Mm. you could have but I didn't (laughs) I have no idea what this is. It's based on the 1948 novel The Franchise Affair by Josephine Tay. Right. Uh, shrug. S- that skipped my bookshelf, <laughs> that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if none of that floated your boat through through the month, and surely Defenders of the Earth and Beauty and the Beast, and Whose Lines It Anyway, should have done, on the 16th of September, you could have gone to see Buster. Mm, We've spoken have. about this in the albums and the singles. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's a multimedia extravaganza, Buster. Yes. Um, this is the story of Buster Edwards, who was one of the, and the uh, the Great British Trade Robbery? I don't know much more about it, to be yes. perfectly honest. Do you know much about it?
1: No, 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 not much more than it was one of the biggest currency robberies, wasn't it? It was the, one of the biggest value robberies for quite some time. And they all scarper, didn't they? I think he was on the run for years. Yeah, they all linked um, it
0: to uh, Spain, didn't they? Where they couldn't yeah, get extradited they were, from. Yeah,
1: they were all sort of all over the shop. Yeah, and then I think think eventually they got hold of him, didn't they, and, and locked him up. Yeah. Um, he did nine years inside, I think it was, and was released. And then he ended up selling flowers in london at a flower stall and then someone convinced him to write a book of his things that happened during that time right and that book was what led to the film um buster ah,
0: okay there you go and then later he was found dead it was just another another one of those very popular british movies what the british public seemed to sort of catch on to as a lovable lovable scampy rogue you know
1: lovable rogue yeah i mean the, the, there was some horrific things about that robbery you now one of the security guards was horrifically injured and Life-changing injuries, and I think they you know they all—the the impact of the victim's impact gets lost a little bit in the in all of these yeah, things. Exactly. Always, it isn't it? Very, Maybe it looks a- it.
0: It was quite a romanticized view of it wasn't it yeah and just
1: as just as an aside
0: and because we've mentioned
1: um jack the ripper earlier in the podcast um, there's a really good book um i'll post the i can't remember the title of it now it's just literally gone straight my mind as soon as i said those words <laughs> but i'll post the link to it in the show notes um which is about it's a all the events of what happened in the in about the um jack the ripper jack the ripper um, yeah. yeah but it's um written from the perspective of the victims because obviously the victims are all just portrayed as you know. All, just street street women, ladies of the night, you know, just carved up and whatever. Yeah, but there's actually, you know, it's not that's not quite the truth of it. You know, there is a there are there are victims at the end of the day of a horrible murder, not just clocked up chalk points on the board of you know some serial killer. And so there's a really good book, which is a account of their lives and, and, and tells the story of them. And it's a genuinely interesting book. So I'd re- recommend going go and have a look at that. Okay. I could remember what the hell it was called. And without looking at my bookshelf, which I could, which I could do, but I'm not going to. Cause no, don't do
0: that. It's too far away. Yeah, just no time. <laughs> uh, 23rd of September, you could have gone and seen Poltergeist 3. I'd advise you not to. No, what a stinker that is. It really is. That's the uh, the one where they moved to town. There's only Caroline left in it from the original cast, and I went there yeah by this point everyone else has buggered off so the second one's not terrible the second no. one's okay it has some scary moments in but the third one is really bad now i'm just going to give you a little quiz here sort of thing can you tell me which of these taglines for the film are real and which are not um mm-hmm. see what you can get here so the first one no matter where caroline goes she never goes alone probably a true one though. that is true look who's moving to the city with a vengeance that's probably true it is true He's found her. <laughs> probably, probably it sounds true, but it's probably false. No, that's true. Oh dear. They're back again. Oh, God. false. That's true. Jeez. Oh, uh, guess who's back in town? Um, false. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I was going to say all these are true? Oh goodness, <laughs> goodness. they're all from? They're a uh, sister of IMDb. I mean, what, what are they? I, what don't, is the I purpose don't know of where, what, what country they're from. But these are all taglines for this film. Oh, Trapped in the limbo between life and death. There are only two ways out. Is this the one with the floating... She's chased, she's being followed by a floating ghost preacher
1: thing. I think, yeah, that's the second one. There's the preachers in the second one. Because he it floats up to the window of the skyrise. They're in a high-rise building, aren't yeah, they? Yeah yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Well, the
0: last tagline is it, not a tagline. It says, if you remember how the poltergeist ghouls knocked her house flat, wait till you see what they do to a Chicago skyscraper. Oh, for God's sake a terrible
1: tagline <laughs> nobody knew what to do with it did they no. utterly rubbish
0: no it was dreadful it really really bad it's just a really bad film but i would say i would I, here's a quick question for you is it as bad as the remake of poltergeist uh no no because that is so utterly
1: utterly utterly awful
0: it is really diabolically really awful. really bad if you want to watch a remake of poltergeist watch um insidious yeah essentially yeah i agree it's literally. Yeah. In fact, I've been watching a lot of these sort of films, and like, it, it, it's reminded me that these new Bloomhouse films, all these new Bloomhouse films, are just surreptitious remakes of eighties films.
1: Oh, yeah, are, yeah. Because he's remade Amityville, hasn't he? As Conjuring, and
0: yeah, and he's remade Chucky as a yeah. uh, as this Megan. new
1: doll one, yeah, which is rubbish. By the way,
0: don't watch that. It's I've watched it as well. So it's, it's out. yeah, mm. rubbish. <laughs> it's it's so it's exactly what you expect. Yeah having watched, you know, Charles play it. It's just, yeah, so they're just making, remaking these 80s films in modern modern trousers.
1: They are. But, but, thankfully, but, they haven't hit some other, there's some really good, I watched them. Um, have you watched Stage Fright? The film, have you watched that recently, Stage Fright?
0: The Suave one.
1: Yeah, Michelle I watched Suave. that recently. And it's absolutely, there's a new, there's a new print of it out is why I watched it. Okay. Um, it is absolutely ace. It's oh, okay. such a good film. I definitely recommend, they have remade it, believe it or not, there's a remake somewhere. Don't watch that one. Um, so under a different name.
0: Because was, was it an Argento-produced one in it? States yeah, yeah.
1: Right? yeah. The original Stage right. But there is a remake called something else with a similar premise, but it's not... Don't watch that one. Watch the original Italian Oh, yeah, one. yeah. I really, really, afraid, really, really violent, very gory, and very good.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, 23rd of September, you could have gone... If you didn't fancy Poltergeist 3, why would you? You could have gone and seen The Deceivers. mm Fact-based account of a secret society of murderers and of the man who exposed them in British India, eighteen twenty-five. Aye. Starring Pierce Brosnan, played Jeffrey and Shashi Kapoor.
1: Good cast, good director.
0: And directed by Nicholas Meyer, who did Star Trek Two and Six.
1: He did. Yes, he
0: did. Never heard of it. Sounds quite interesting.
1: So somebody asks Pierce Brosnan a question, and he goes, "I can't." At some point <laughs> in that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> could not be bothered to flesh that joke out any further. <laughs> no. just, just wanted to get it out of the way. Well,
0: the society murderer sort of thing, and he'll never forgive them for the uh, death of his son because they die. You know? <laughs> his son is one who's killed. And so on. Um, anyway, we shouldn't make light. It sounds quite serious. Um, 23rd is. of September, Ophelas, Ophelas, also known as Pathfinder. This is a young Shami man, which is a band of vicious raider slays family and flees to a nearby village where he learns he mis- must become a Pathfinder. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> totally
1: escaped me that way. I know, so, no,
0: I know no more.
1: I don't think it's an English language film, or at least it's, you know, it's. I'm not sure it's um, directed by Nils Gaup. So I don't know. I don't know where that's from.
0: No. So, apologies, we don't know. Um, however, the big one probably for this month is 30th September, and that is Good Morning Vietnam. Um, so, this is the story of Adrian Cronauer, who was a uh, well. It's the I say it's the story I was reading around on this earlier on, and it is, he's basically says it's my it's a it's a story based on me, but you know, if I'd done those things. I'd be in prison yeah. still to this day. So it's uh, this is uh, Robin Williams playing Adrian Cronow, who was a uh, radio DJ uh, in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Um, and he is he takes over this show from this really boring presenter, and he sort of is crazy it's, – it's basically Robin Williams being Robin Williams. So he's doing yep. all these voices and playing all the tunes. And it was a massive hit. It you know, introduced lots of tunes to the UK and the US, and so there's loads of sort of classic songs in it. But what happens is at one point he – befriends this girl and then she gets him out of this bar just in time it gets blown up and uh, some gi's die and he is banned from and uh, actually announcing it on the radio show even though he was there and saw it and mm. he locks himself in and, and announces it anyway and then gets banned but the, the guy they get in there's just loads of calls to bring him back and it's it's you know it's a it's a robin williams film about being a vietnam and being a radio dj it's very yep. good it's um, yeah. It's directed by uh, Barry Levinson. So, it, and it is a it is a very good film. I do remember it, um, and it was a huge deal at the time. It was a massive, a massive hit. I seem to remember. Um, I remember the it, trailers got a real heavy airplay, didn't they? Yeah, and it's it's just one of those films that just struck a chord. I think it was just the right person in the right role at the right time. Um, and it was just, you know, it was just everywhere. And it was one of those films, and it was, I think it was, it also, I mean, its soundtrack did it no harm. It had loads and loads mm. of big hits from the 60s, um, which were very, very popular in the late 80s with all the TV adverts, the, the sort of Levi adverts and all those kind of things, we assume in the yeah, charts. Yeah, they were. So it was this huge you know there was a there was a, it was sort of perfect time moment and everything and it was kind of coming in on the back it was a different you know it was a more not comedic because it is it, it, there are moments in it but it had that sort of upbeat feel but then that sucker punch of when you know, the realism of what vietnam was actually about and the war after films like platoon and um the you know, full metal jacket and those kind of hamburger hill um it was sort of all based in and around that and just another exploration of america's you know within the war basically within that vietnam war and what it meant and how they was trying to cover it up but it's kind of covering that sort of media side of things about how they didn't want um mm. that sort of um you know the view to be to be held out because there was a lot of because as we know the vietnam war is you know it's known as the first televised war isn't it and that's so, right. you know all the stuff that came out of there you never get now um you know everything's heavily sanitized and this kind of sort of explored those kind of themes i think good film though.
1: yeah do you know i don't think i've ever watched it all the way through and that's not because it's rubbish that's just a one of those, I haven't seen it or haven't seen it all, or I have seen it and I just haven't seen it in a long time. And it's got merged with a few of the films of the sort of sitting the same ooze. Right. Um, but I remember, I remember it being quite good and were well, very well received at the time i just don't remember much about anything in it other than that sequence where he says good morning vietnam i remember that bit but... yeah
0: do, 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 do. yeah
1: i, I remember playing and the music and i remember the scene that i think that ended up charting in the uk didn't I like you say and i think that yeah. there was a bit of a video for it and stuff so yes
0: yeah there we go so that's it that's your tv and film for september 1988 loads there loads of Loads Close of new to go TV out. shows, but you know, Pick has got to be Defenders of the Earth. Yeah. Really? Defenders of the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Master of Magic. It's almost uh, it's almost uh, Pavlovian. As soon as it anybody is. says that, I just go straight into uh, the mandrake <laughs> bit. Just, I can't help myself. Um, exactly. but there you go. Uh, Right, there you go. That's that lot. So we will be back in a bit. We're going to take a quick break. We've got four more games still to get through. Some crapverts and what's coming up over the next few episodes with uh, next month's stuff. So uh, please stick around and we'll be back in a bit.
3: The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Crash landing on a green planet full of vector graphics, can Sarah find a way to escape for real? Or is she stranded on a planet full of sun, sea, and chippy tea forever? Imagine finding yourself in a cinematic karate game, having to rescue a princess, or remain stuck under the run-stop key forever. What about finding yourself on a space freighter full of robots? Could you clear the decks? If you were transported back to a wild west town, having to round up outlaws, could you survive until sunset? What if you were a wizard with a cat who must color worlds? Could you beat the game, or would a virtual guitar solo announce your demise? Sarah might just be another visitor, but she doesn't want to stay a while, never mind forever. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, discover if there's a way out in Escape from the Commodore 64. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more.
0: And we are back. And Graham, you know when I said we had four games to cover this part, I lied. I did. You lied. <laughs> I lied. We actually have five. Damn um, you. I know. I lied. I was used to it being sort of eight, eight, eight per episode, but uh, there's actually nine this one. So we've got eight, we've still got five games. You've got a bonus game. You weren't expecting that, were you? Unless you looked at the track listing. Um, then you may have been. But no, there's five games still to cover. So let's get into them quickly. Our first one is a budget game, £1.99. It's got 81%. This is Battleships. Ooh. Mm-hmm. This is a conversion of yet another evergreen and everlasting board game, Battleship. I could explain it, but I just took this from the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> because why not? <laughs> Somebody else has written it. The game of Battleship is thought to have its origins in the French game, L'Attack, played Ooh. during World War One. Although parallels have also been drawn to E.I. Horseman's 1890 game, Basilinda and the game is said to have been played by Russian officers before World War I. The first commercial version of the game was Salvo, published in 1931 in the United States by the Star X Company. Other versions of the game were printed in the 30s and 40s, including the Strathmore Company's Combat, the battleship game, Milton Bradley's Broadside's, a game of naval strategy, and Morris L. Friedman's Warfare Naval Combat. Strategy Games Company produced a version called Wings, which pictured planes flying over the Los Angeles Coliseum. All of these early editions of the game can pre-printed pads of paper so the game of battleships is usually played on four grids two for each player the grids are typically square usually 10 by 10 and the individual squares in the grid are identified by a letter and a number on one grid the player arranges ships and records the shots by the opponent on the other grid the player records their own shot before play begins each player secretly arranges their ships on their primary grid if, this is if you don't know how to play battleships I'm sure you do, but anyway, if you don't, each ship occupies a number of consecutive squares on the grid, arranged either horizontally or vertically, not diagonally. The number of squares for each ship is determined by the type of ship. The ships cannot overlap, i.e. only one ship can occupy any given square on the grid. The types and number of ships allowed are the same for each player, and these may vary depending on the rules. The ships should be hidden from player's sight, and it's not allowed to see each other's pieces. The game is a discovery game, which players need to discover their opponent's ship positions by calling out E4, miss. Damn it. Mm. H10, hit. Die. <laughs> and so on and so forth. Until you've destroyed a lot of them, you've sank my battleship. So that is battleships. And we have a, what we have here is a rather spruced up port of it here. Originally, so the, it, it took a little bit of time to actually trace the origins of this game because there were full price adverts for this. And there are full price adverts this out there with full page ads and full, all its own advert and everything like that. But I don't think it ever actually was released on, on full price. So it's from Elite originally. And I think the first version of this that was released was on a hit pack collection, which was the Best of Elite 2, along with Paperboy, Ghosts and Goblins and Bomb Jack 2. So kinda of like we saw with that um one the other week what so was the bouncing balls one, hopping mad, and it was something yeah. else before that, wasn't it? I think it's it's one of those again. I hunted high and low all over the place to see if I could find a release of it. And the only thing I could find was a uh, you know, that, that hit pack best of elite two, it's on that cover. So I think it might have been there. So this is the first standalone version of it, and this is a budget re-release on Elite's budget label Encore. You know Encore was the budget Elite's budget label. There you go. This was coded by Chris Butler. Interesting. I know. Mr Chris Butler and his music by Mark Cooksey. So this is the Ghost and Goblins pairing. Yes which is kind of weird um it was also it was then taken to the u.s and released by epics of all people uh, mad um in full, full price by the looks of it with a big old box and instructions and everything like epics would do so yeah it's all the e's elite encore and epics um <laughs> so yeah i couldn't that's about what i could find if i'm wrong i apologize but that's what i could find it seems that that is the sort of lineage of this game origin society it's a, like i said it's a 199 release got 81 but it's 81 percent for battleships it's quite high so mm. why is it so high so when the game loads you get a nice loading screen and then you get a simple title screen with the option for one player against the computer two players so against each other or multiplayer where the winner stays on and you get the option to turn salvo fire off or on mm. i don't know if you're going to get much in the way of winner stays on battleships i don't think you are that's a niche lot of group of friends
1: could be there a uh, while as well
0: yeah exactly have oh, you guys finished yet no no <laughs> hunting for his two ship is two been here three weeks (laughs) (laughs) so selecting the game um if you select which one you want it takes you to the placing of the ships screen i didn't know what else to call it that sounds really awkward the placing of the ships screen i don't know what what to call it otherwise (laughs) so here you can place your five ships so in battleships the original game all the ships are like a line so they're a simple line so they just go up five or four or three or two Mm -hmm. or whatever so you've got i think you've got five or four two threes and a two if i remember rightly yeah this makes things slightly different. So we get some slightly changed up sort of shapes of ships. So the first one you've got is your aircraft cru- cruiser. And this takes up six bases in this sort of off kilter three by two grid. So it's like up three and then slightly. So it's then across and up one and then the other bit. So it's shaped like an aircraft cruiser. You know how they kind of have that weird shape. Yeah. So imagine that. And that's how it's sort of shaped. So then it's not a square. It's not a rectangle, but it's three. And then slide the other side up one grid and then put the other three there. So it's one higher and one lower on, on each side. So there's that one. You've got your battleship. That takes up five squares in a row. You've got your submarine. This takes up four squares, but it's actually three long, and it's got like a raised square in the middle. So it's like your Tetris shape, the middle one, one where you've got that shape. So it's three across and then one in the middle up. So there's that. Then you've got your destroyer, which is three in a row. And finally, your torpedo boat, which is just two squares. So... Interestingly, you can rotate them as you see fit. You can place them diagonally, uh, so that's kind of handy. You can't put them next to each other, uh, which you can do in the original game. But you've got you've got to leave at least a square's gap between each one, so they can't sort of another of the boats, another of the uh, parts of the boats can be touching each other. So you've got to leave a gap in between them. Also of note here is that the grid is twenty by twenty, so there's plenty of space to put them in. You know, so you've got a lot of lot of room. <laughs> ten by ten is usually enough, but twenty by twenty, yeah, so that's yeah. suddenly that's a lot. That's what four hundred squares. You know, that's a lot of squares so once you've done that and player two has done the same th- same if playing two players you start your shooting if you've got salvo turned off you fire one shot at a time if however you have salvo turned on and i would advise you to do this more interesting you fire up to four shots per ship you have left so at the start you get to fire off 20 shots into the sea you just pepper the board and that's kind of good you've got 400 so this kind of makes sense with the 400 grid space by able to firing off loads of shots if you're doing one by one then yeah you are going to be here for three weeks anyway. Once you fired all the shots, whether one or twenty or however many left in either mode, it switches to this graphic representation um, of like the end of your sh- uh, end of your ship sort of firing, boom, boom, in sort of three D, kind of like a beach, uh, kind of like a beachhead view, sort of trying to sort of shoot, and then you get this kind of action sort of thing of planes coming straight for you. They never hit you. There's nothing going on, but these planes go past. There's this is bit of music, sort of, sort of uh, Matt Cooksey sort of tension music, dun 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 dun, sort of playing as well, and you're firing away. So it goes through basically all the shots you fired, uh, one one after the other. So you just keep boom, boom, boom. You just keep shooting. Should you miss? Should should that shot have missed? Yeah, you, you know, then the bullet is met with a huge splash on the horizon. But if one of your shots should hit, then there's a big explosion that greets you, and that boom—that's it. You've hit one of them. So it's like, yeah, I've hit one. So that's cool. So once all your shots have been done, you then get to see your grid and where you've hit. So you can see, oh right, there's one there, there's one there, whatever, sort of thing. Or what? All you missed, and that's that it then switches to player two and on you go so then player two does their shots it's 20 and then it switches to the same viewpoint duh, duh, duh. although it's flipped so on player two the view of the battleship firing is on the right hand side of the screen and the ships that you're hitting are on the left and so if you do hit one there's the graphic representations of each of the ships on the opposite side of the screen so if you hit one it tells you which one you've hit and it sinks slightly and so you've got to hit them like as many squares as they have you know it's get slightly slightly goes down for its graphic representation so you know immediately which one you've hit so yeah it's repeated you take it in turns and until one player is completely wiped out and the remaining player is declared the victor, and any ships that they have left do a little sail-off into the across the screen. You get woo, a victory sort of sail-off and, and you win and you repeat and off you go. And there's that's that's it really. So there is a lot to like here. The presentation is really smooth throughout quick and simple to use joystick controls you just flick between the ships what you want you flick down to the bottom to to switch to rotate and then you can turn left right and go back to which one you want it's very slick it's very easy it's not a pointer you don't have to drag up and down you don't move anything the grid spacing you just move grid by grid you press fire that's it you take a thing you could delete a a shot if you don't want to fire there by pressing fire on it again that's a nice touch all that's very good the computer fires fast so you're not waiting for the computer to take ages to fire if it's doing 20 shots it's around the board like and it's Fallible as well. It doesn't know where you are. It shoots wherever. It's just randomly sort of picking squares. And there's a really good title title screen piece of music. That starts off with a load of sound effects, and then goes into a really, really good piece of music from Mark Cooksey. It's one of his best is done, I think. It's a really nice piece of music. I really liked it. The visuals mm. are simple enough, but well, they're not. They're simple and they're not. They work really well because of the sort of 3D effects of the uh, the plane strafing the battleship is nice. The explosions are good. The graphic representation of the boats are all nice. And the inclusion of the salvo mode is a great touch to speed things along. As conversion of board games go this keeps the core loop and then adds some little bits on top to keep it interesting for a video game it does it has these little sort of interstitials and these animations and stuff going on there's only two screens to look at there's the the grid and then the animated sort of flyby bit but the pace is fast Uh, and like i said the computer is not infallible except when it finds one of your ships and then it's brutal (laughs) it's just all around you're like uh, okay, and it's good to see that sort of, because it's exactly what a player would do. You just surround it until you've got it, and then when it knows which direction you're going on, it gets you. You're like, okay, so it feels it's some nice AI in here that I thought well works quite well. And obviously, in two-player, you don't have to worry about that. But the computer AI is pretty good. I won a couple of matches, I lost one. and It felt fair, you know, so it was just all right by me. Touch is like only having to worry about looking away at the start of the game when playing with someone else, because once you picked your ships and you place them the game never shows where they are. You never have to sort of see the screen where you placed your ships again. You kind of have to remember, so it's up to you. But what that does is you don't have to say to your mate, oh, look away, you have got my screen coming up. You know, there's no cheating once involved, once you've placed them. That's nice as well, so I quite like that at the end of the day it's battleships but you know as conversions go i think this is a pretty cracking version of it really if you like battleships this i think you're going to like this if you we've said that sometimes why would you buy this over the thing i think this is a pretty decent alternative especially for two quid to the board game itself if you've not got that amount of money if you want to play it the, the single player ai is decent if you like battleships you'll probably get a lot of enjoyment out of this for two quid you could do a lot worse and like i said if you can't afford to buy the board game it's a very viable alternative. I just wonder why it never got its full price release. Maybe they just looked at it and went, you know what, maybe we can't do this and we just chucked it on a, um, on, a on the sort of elite, uh, best of elite thing, which is weird considering it never came out. So I can not be the best of, who knows, these questions I don't know the answers to. But I, I enjoyed playing this, thought it was fun. Battleships, but a good version of it. It's fast, it's pacey, and it's uh, graphically quite nice. What about you?
1: Yeah, yeah it, was, it was good. I liked it. Nice and easy to play straight in i remembered it being good from before it's one of those ones that i remembered playing as soon as it appeared and i heard the music i'm like "Ah, oh, i remember it now and that nice little bit when you i mean it's odd isn't it considering that's a grid and you put all your things on it you can miss 20 times and think where are those things i'm pretty <laughs> sure i covered that entire grid it's amazing where they can hide in there i hammered the computer on my first go at this just literally defeated his entire fleet and i had <laughs> one hit on one ship
0: oh wow I won by just my submarine. I'd like. I think I had one hit. It found it, but I got it. Got his just the last one. I mean, I like
1: the way that uh, as you lose the sh- as they as they lose ships, they lose the amount of shots, which is yes, quite nice so, as sorry, well. So
0: that's one thing I forgot to mention. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so that's quite nice. So you know, obviously you've got less things shooting. So it it was good. I enjoyed it. It's not a great deal to it. Graphics are good. Sounds really good. Really plays the way you would expect it to. It's just easy in. I mean, if you like you said, if you didn't bought the board game or you've not got a piece of paper and a pen. Um, For two quid, you can't go wrong with this. This is a good... And Battleships is a really fun game to play. It's a bit of a lost game. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of other games get the press. Your Monopolies, your Varian Paydays and all these other games that, you know. Battleships is a great game to play because it's so easy to set up, as this would have been, and then you can play multiplayers and it's really fun to say, oh no, and I remember having the more elaborate MB games version where um, you sort of press the button and it went...
2: We'd yeah yeah the computer stuff. one
1: and yeah yeah it was quite good so it was um it's a good game it's really good it, again like you say mark cox's music really adds a lot to that um there's a lot more production gone into that than you'd think for a game of battleships but it's really good and it pays off i really enjoyed my time with it i went through a, a fairly heavy series of battles on that as well it was just good Having the background
0: and a laugh just as an aside to the sort of enduring thing of this i used to include battleships in a lecture i used to do in sort of one of the ones when i used to do uh, game design so for one of the sessions for the last half i would split the class into two and i would made sort of i would made it on excel so I'd made these versions of battleships on three sheets of excel which they were in a group and I put different rules in so in the first one it was one against one and it was one with all the group being able to advise and it was the entire group against the entire group on bigger grids so when you first started playing it was a bit slow, but by the time you got to the whole group playing against another whole group across the classroom they weren't you know looking at whoever sort of thing, and they could fire different amounts of shots and stuff mm. it, it, they were they were loving it students were just loving it they're having a really good game of it because they, they were like oh this is really good fun and it was a classic game design doesn't age but adding different bits and showing them how to do stuff was kind of what part of it but battleships is such a simple cons- concept so easy to set up but so enduringly fun to sort of play because it's that like i said it's that discovery game and those are always fun to play and it's just a, an enduring classic and and they did a really good job of it here chris butler better I play. Tell you really like it I do really um, like
1: battleships. <laughs> and also, just remember that you wouldn't have Warhammer if it wasn't for battleships. Would you not? No, because Warhammer, the principal game of desktop Warhammer, is a game based on distances of objects and things placed in oh, certain I places. Suppose, and
0: I suppose it's all grid based. On a, on a
1: grid, on a grid. And battleships kind of started all that off, really. Yeah,
0: yeah. Position, positioning
1: your ships and moving them. Well, if you could move them, that's the one thing that battleships is would be no that's the extra dimension to battleships isn't it where you can move your ships and sail them a little
0: bit. True, but I suppose it would completely ruin it because you wouldn't know where you'd fired at and if it would moved well, into a place. And-
1: yeah, it would be if, if obviously a variation yeah. of this later down the it's I mean naval battle games is what naval I'm saying. Naval battle but- games.
0: It's like those games that you get now like World of Ships and World of Tanks and all those kind of things come from, yeah, totally. come and, from this, uh, don't they?
1: And I can tell you, having played this with a man of the Navy
0: many, many times,
1: it's quite nerve wracking. Playing it against an ordinary person, <laughs> one thing. Playing it against a <laughs> naval officer, very different kettle of fish. <laughs> When they look you in the eye and say, you've sunk my battleship, you kind of feel a little bit
0: guilty. <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> so you I'm would. Just, I'm just telling you, telling you that's the case. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Battleships. Good fun. Um, and a good conversion there. So we like that. Decent for two quid. Let's move along. We've got another budget game coming up. Graham, as if we didn't get enough in the first one, tell us all about Kane 2. It won't take long. <laughs> go listen just, to the review go, for go, Kane. Yeah, I was going to say, just go back
1: to episode 21. How um, long ago it was? Yeah, March wow. 1986. Go listen to episode 21. Listen to what we said about Cain, because uh, it's principally the same thing, really. This is published by Microsoft, 199. Got 33% in um, Zap. This Microsoft? really. Wow. Is that, did I say Microsoft? I meant you Mastertronic. Did. I do why I, don't know I say. said Microsoft. I don't know either. One of those brain wrongs that happens. <laughs> it's not Microsoft, it's Mastertronic. It'd be hilarious if it was Microsoft, but it's not. It
0: is Mastertronic.
1: The design was by John Darnell, as was the code, as was the graphics, as well as Jay McGuigan. That's uh, Barry McGuigan's nephew and um, (laughs) musician is John Darnell. Better be nice about this then. Exactly. It's not really. I made that up. Um, John Darnell did Dragon's Lair 2 and Star Pause. (sighs) Yes. Something went wrong. Something went wrong. Honestly, this... Right, the notori- I've got this from the Moby games because I couldn't find the box and I couldn't be bothered anyway because it's basically in the first game it was the Black Hole Gang and it was there was a whole massive long backstory in the first one. It's enormous. Not so much this one, it's just the gang's back. Marshall McGraw is who you play and they almost caused a war, didn't they, in the last game and he managed to pack them off to Dale but they're now back, they've got released and they're now kidnapping the daughter of the Indian chief in an attempt to start another war. And guess what? You've got to do principally exactly what you did last time. Uh, slight variation, slight variation. Not much. Um, To in Kane 2, it's up to McGraw to once again save the town of Kane over the course of four stages. In the first, McGraw rides his horse alongside a train to shoot at the bad guys. Then he has a shootout with the Black Hole Gang at the Fort Apache to rescue the Indian princess. Once he's done this, he tames his new Bronco to be his new companion in a really weird game level. And then he finally escaped the clutches of the Black Hole Gang by riding off and riding away from them and escaping. So at least some of these levels will feel very similar. (laughs) <laughs> you at least some of that. them will. I mean, the game plays out, as I said, at those followers. It feels so similar to the first Kane game, game that we reviewed, like I said, back in episode 21. It's, it's almost, you may as well just go back to that and listen. The variation of the games has altered a bit. And I'd say, when I say altered, it's kind of more rotated. So, but the mainstays the game, the four Western-themed minigames, essentially, right along the train, that was part two in the first game, because the first game in the first game was different, wasn't it? It was... Because you didn't ride along in the first. The second level was the ride along. What was the first level of the game? One
0: shooting the ducks was it?
1: It might have been. Then there's then there's the shootout with the fort, which is essentially the same as the other level, but they've just added the words "Fort Apache" <laughs> on it, which has been really badly as well. Yeah. It's like, oh <laughs> god, say you put my effort in here. The Bronx. <laughs> and then um, you've got the bucking bronco level, and then you've got the skip. Now the trouble is with this that most of these things, it's the same horrible controls, and they feel less controlling as well here. That it feels yeah. everything feels a little bit out of control. In fact. It's the same sprites, a little bit, maybe they've upped a little bit, but it's the same Mission Impossible guy, I think, just on yeah. a Mission Impossible horse, you know, running along. The, the other train game that we played, what was the one with the the other budget game we played? Train Robbers. The, train Robbers did this better. Yes, it, it did. did this running on the side of the thing way better than this. Mm-hmm. But it's principally that idea, running on the side of the train, shooting at things, and then avoiding the things you've got to jump over with the horse. For some reason, I find this incredibly difficult and annoying, but uh, I don't think wrong. it's very responsive. And it's got that... Horrible sampled sound again, but not good samples. You know, it's just (laughs) the the duck (laughs) shooting the duck. (laughs) It's just awful sounds. It's just the problem here is that it's not much fun. The first game sort of got away with it because it was out in 1986 and you get away with some of that in 1986, but this is 1988. And you haven't advanced anything here. In fact, if anything, it's just more brown. It is very brown. I mean, the sprites themselves aren't bad, but it's essentially the same as Kane. And they're animated in principally the same way as they were in Kane. And even though this is two quid, it offers nothing much in advance. And in fact, it feels like it's a shonky shonky bits of the game that sort of, never was so it almost feels like these are bits that never made it to the first game they just found them on a disc and thought oh let's just scrap these things together and strap into something mm-hmm. the train section was done better in the other games it all flows better in those other ones as well the shootout parts are really stupid and endless the levels are endless well that's what we said about Kane. it's gone forever yeah i didn't like the first game that much i made it quite clear back in uh, episode 21 how i felt about that I am not happy with this one either. It's a crap rehash of the first game with nothing new to offer. It is cheaper. I'll give it that. But what's the point in playing this? You, if you've got Kane, you wouldn't want to play it anyway. And if you've got this, well, this, it's just playing the same thing in a different order. Utterly, yeah. utterly. just It's just, I suppose it's two pounds. So you've wasted two pounds on this. Maybe that's the only merciful thing is that you haven't wasted any more money on it. Just wasted two, but you're not going to get a lot of fun out of it. I certainly didn't. I thought it was crap. And then samples still haunting me i'm sick of the games throwing random blurty <laughs> samples at me this week you know these three games here have had offensive i mean in slammy's minds i'll let it get away with it because they're kind of funny but just they just get annoying over time but european five aside emitted that digital shriek and now you've got this thing squirking at you and that's a word i've invented for this it's a squirk <laughs> part squawk part twerk yeah it's just it squirks at you something like coming out of his ass. It's just, it just, it's not nice. This is just, it's dog <laughs> egg.
0: It's just okay, Rubbish. What about you? Nah, uh, Kane was okay, I thought. but I did have a bit of affinity for Kane. Because it, it was just a collection of mini games, but it, it felt quite different at that time. Well, in we 1986 it did. I said yeah. that's where it was placed. Uh, and it, was it, had okay, the, it had the funny sort of thing of like shooting ducks for the opening level, which was kind of weird. But considering this is just more of the same, and sometimes literally more of the same. This <laughs> feels like a pointless release. Did anyone want more cane by this point? At the end of nineteen eighty eight, was people you know scrambling, you know what I really want? No. More cane. No, we've had we've had a much better train robbing game, train robbers. And then we've had other stuff like that express that port of Express Raider as well. And if you oh, remember that. About that. That was good that, yeah. Yeah, that was good. So we've had that as well. So Kane two feels very dated now and rather pointless. No one wanted this, no one. You know, and I liked Kane. Well, even I didn't want this. No one no. did. I was happy with Kane. Kane was its own little thing, four little yep. games of like Impossible Mission Man, Back to the Future 3. That's what it was. So yeah. he's gone back in time and, and done his thing. But there's no one wanted this. But uh, yep. yeah, um, I was I was trying to. It took me a while to remember Express Raid. I knew we'd done one. It was like a full price port by yeah. people we couldn't pronounce their names of properly. I think it was some um, Turkish guys or Romanian guys. That's right. Um, but yeah, but that was that was quite good as well. But this was just, just nah, pointless, wasn't it? Pointless. Well, no one wanted it. Yep. No one. Absolutely. I haven't said it because I figured you'd want to say it. Kane Poo. Yes. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> Didn't even occur to me, but I, as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, cane poo. <laughs> Has to be done. Although your your pictures you put in the agenda made me laugh. Two two Harry Kane float balloons. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, well, apparently they, 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 they made those.
0: For what reason? Because they thought that
1: fans would really like them and they were just instantly, universally <laughs> loathed. They're horrible. You can buy those. They were actual things you could buy. Inflatable little mini Harry Canes. Harry Canes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I thought that would appeal to you.
0: It's, it's just his head is all, don't work on a rounded top of a small, small humanoid balloon type shape. No, it's, it's just,
1: it's weird. But apparently there was, they were they were going to release the whole team as those. And then someone went, no, for the love of
0: God, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Christ compels you. <laughs> Can you imagine just people waving them around? It's just, it's really weird. Yeah, it's, it, that's what would have been, wouldn't it as well? But no, no one wants that. No, Kane 2, no one wants it. No one no. wanted it nobody don't believe them if you know don't believe their lies if they say they did <laughs> it's on a little polaroid it's led going around don't believe his lies it's a picture of that harry kane doll <laughs> he's trying to find the harry kane doll in memento i wonder where the uh just as
1: just a thought where do you think the um inflator is on that
0: <laughs> back up <or> front
1: <laughs> i have I, I wouldn't like to think <laughs> There's a reason why it says on his shirt, it says, yeah, yeah." I think so, no, <laughs> yeah. I think you know where you have to inflate Absolutely. that. Yes. I don't want to know where the valve is.
0: <laughs> no, no one does. Oh, Kane's valve. Uh, don't believe his lies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. We've got more budgetary stuff coming up. And next one, our middle of this part. This is Sword Slayer. Sword Slayer or Spartacus Sword Slayer. This was two quid it got I don't who released this? starts oh, it's from players. Did you think right the tune on this? Just gonna ask a quick question. Did it sound to you like the the, the simple part, the sort of verses of uh, Vienna by UltraBot? <laughs> I hadn't noted that, but now you said it, yeah. Dun, dun,
1: dun, dun, yeah, dun, dun. yeah, it's got that kind of stark dun, 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 harsh dun, dun, dun. tonality but yeah it's, just in that uh, opening
0: bit where it's sort of just doing those sort of simple notes i was like is this vienna by ultrabox it sounds very oh, much it's like it just it's such a strange game <laughs> it's just really weird this game anyway it wouldn't surprise me if it was yeah it wouldn't I, yeah i think it's been nicked anyway this is from the tape inlay sword slayer the roman epic the story of spartacus Taken into slavery as a child, his parents slaughtered by the Romans, Spartacus was destined to become one of the, it says Biome, so the spelling mistakes here, Mr. C out there, Biome, one of the most famous (laughs) heroes of all time. He was trained to fight in the arena, spending many years perfecting his skills with the sword, shield, and spear. Time could not tame him, whatever that means. Spartacus never forgot the freedom of his past or the cruel ways of the Roman Empire. When his time came to be called to the arena, Spartacus knew this was his chance for revenge. He was to fight the champions of the arena in the presence of the evil Roman emperor, Crassus. If he could beat these experienced gladiators, he might be able to escape. Spartacus knew from the other slaves that his plan was filled with danger. He would have to flee through the streets of Capua and beyond, killing anyone or anything that stood in his path. This is your chance to play the part of Spartacus, the sword slayer in this epic tale of death and honor. You may fight against the computer or practice your sword fighting skills against a friend. (laughs) Seems a bit out of tone at the end there. (laughs) Yeah, just like Spartacus did. Uh... (laughs) Absolutely. So yes, you play as Spartacus in this budget one-on-one fighting game from players. Uh, This was made by Ian Potts. Seem to do everything for it, from coding to visuals to the Ultravox inspired music. So when the game loads, you can play through the single player game or opt for two player practice. The single player mode has ambitions for storytelling, and after some lengthy screen filling preamble text and loading, lots of loading, you find yourself waiting to be entered into the arena, which is kind of weird because you just stood in the uh, underground sort of chamber, aren't you, with a with guy stood there. <laughs> yeah. It says, So your time has come, and blah, blah. Then and it cuts, it loads in, there's this bit, and you go, and This guy goes, and you kind of wander off, and he sort of Followed really you out weird. while looking at the screen going, and then one is out. So there's more chewing loading. Chewing
1: is ch- chomping at the bits. Yeah, it it's
0: very odd. So after more loading, you get your first fight against the Gladiator under the watchful eye of Crassus. So it's a one-on-one fighter. Think Barbarian. That's probably the closest <laughs> thing. You've got three attacks, which are down and fire for a crouched hit right and fire for a stab and up and fire for a high swinging attack although it seems in one point you can actually jab upwards as well um i'll come to that bit in a moment i don't know if you could do i could never pull that off in the main fighting thing so i don't think it's actually a move in the main mm, in the fighting struggle to do that yeah so only what i could do was the upswing anyway the fighting is done in an arena so you're your sort of gladiatorial arena with crassus watching in the background think barbarian <laughs> Just think barbarian, but in a sort of you know Roman arena type place. Yeah. But where they
1: think Aldi barbarian, but think barbarian. <laughs> but
0: barbarian, yeah. The gladiators are chunky, but the animation it's okay, it's all right. It you know the moves are okay, they're chunky and they're big, and so this is you know all right. The UI at the top has your health represented by three markers. I couldn't make out what they were. If you could, well you know I don't know. I don't know what they were. Each hit taken makes a marker at first flash and then disappear after another hit. So you can take six hits. When you do get hit, you'll sort of have, you back off to so sort of parts. So It'll be a blood splatter you go blood splatter and then you'll back away from each other and then you'll go in again should you win crassus gets annoyed you you get some more text you get a bit more story here and sends brutus in to finish you off who looks suspiciously like the previous gladiator if you kill him then he sends his eagle in (laughs) to have a go at you everyone loves the eagles everyone loves the eagles yeah that was as far as i got actually the eagle swoops down and invariably just kills you with one hit you have to kind of time you have to crouch and block upwards and then as it's backing away, you have to swing upwards. But the timing, it sort yes. of, there's a delay in the timing. And it's it was Very stu- difficult. stupidly hard. And it, yeah, it just kills me with one hit. It just grabs hold of my face and kills me, despite the fact that I've got a helmet on, <laughs> which is kind of odd. Very odd. I did check out a YouTube video for the rest because I, I tried several times but kept getting to the Bloody Eagle. Well, it, because it's a multi-load... This is one of the good things. You just keep on the bit where you failed at. So you don't have to go back to the beginning all the time. So it just keeps you on that. So that's quite good. But I just kept dying at the eagle part. So I just got bored and went to check out the YouTube video of the rest. So the rest, if you kill the eagle you then got to escape the arena. You have to fight another gladiator on the way out. You've got a different background at that point. So you've got kind of the entrance to the arena. Then you're on a chariot road uh, onto freedom. You've got to sort of duck down. The rope on it's dead long because if you watch this bit, you're in the middle of the screen, but obviously they couldn't animate a horse. So the ropes where you're holding in the chariot go all the way off the other side of the screen. So you've got the longest horse leash ever. It's kind <laughs> of crazy. So what we have here is a budget Aldi Barbarian, Barbarian 2 style thing that it's not all terrible. And so the attempt at tying all this around the narrative of your escape and your pursuit of freedom is decent enough and does lend some narrative impetus to the whole thing, which is a criticism we've had for a lot of these games. It's one of the things we said about Barbarian 2, that it didn't hang together because we didn't understand the narrative and there's nothing to that. If you put a story into something Like this, then it does give you a reason to want to play through it, and I think this should be praised for that. There's interstitial bits where it tells you about it. The locales change, there's a bit of scrolling, the different modes change out the thing, and by the end of it, you're like you're out in the wilderness. It's a night time, you know, the sun setting, and you're free. And there's so there is this sort of narrative sort of arc that you do go through if you do play through all this. So I think that's quite good sort of thing when we don't normally see that in sort of budget titles. Some of the visuals are okay. I think some of the backgrounds are quite nice in places, and the main characters they're big, and like I said, they're fairly decently animated. They're not. they're not brilliant. They're not barbarian good, but they're Aldi barbarian. You know, the, the one fifth barbarian thing. It's two quid. What are you going to expect? Where it falls down though, is the combat itself, which is a bit dull and actually reminded me of the, the combat in Barbarian 2 which was also very dull and and lacked the number of moves. So it felt very similar in that, but it's just a bit too slow and a bit too sludgy. But, you know, Hefting Great Swords about, okay, really. but it's just not quite responsive enough. So there's no impact or speed. I get it's hard to do in 8-bit form, but it just could have been done with a bit, just just needed a bit of speed to it. Budget Barbarian. And if you look through that lens for two quid, this isn't too bad. We've played a lot worse fighters I think, loads of worse fights than this. And like I said, the narrative that this tries to tell does give it some added interest. It's ambitious for a budget game, I'll give it that. But I just hated that eagle bit. I have to say, just hated it. Still, you could do a lot worse if you had two quid and wanted some combat action. And it does have the two-player mode, which, when I tried it, seemed to be the single-player mode, but the other player was taking on the role of the different gladiators. So... Kind of sort of counter op sort of thing, which is kind of interesting, but they obviously just didn't want you fighting, but you, mm-hmm. you're taking on the other ones. So I don't know how far along it went. I don't know if in two player you get to control the eagle because that would be kind of crazy, but quite, I, I didn't hate this 46%, maybe. Probably I'd give it a bit higher, I think, because it's trying again, it's trying to do something by putting that narrative around it. It's okay for two quid it's not terrible but it's it's two quid barbarian when it comes down to it what did you think strange old thing isn't it this it
1: is weird yeah um some some kind of fight game i guess um i liked the way it was sort of presented in its own weird logic graphics are a mixed bag in game you've got some okay backgrounds quite large game sprites again with permanently attached shadows which made me laugh a lot <laughs> um quite limited animations but what there is there appears to be okay and there's attempt at blood and guts in there cuz as you stab and,
2: yeah, and murder blood.
1: you, you know, there's blood and things in it which is unusual for a game like this that you get injury in it mm-hmm. The fighting moves are a bit limited, aren't they? Low and mid stabby poke, and then sort of slashing moves and stuff. But they do kind of work, and the and it's in its own little two pound logic. It all kind of works. So it's just to kind of stand and whack, you know, and you just keep whacking them. And it's, there's some pleasure in it. I tell you, just just keep whacking at those um, various different enemies. The eagle is a pain in the backside, as you rightly point out, though. Really could have done without that. Yeah. And then you get those weird in between bits, that, the narrative bits, which gave me a really weird eight bit Quentin Tarantino vibe, I think, because of the <laughs> color schemes and yeah, the way they I present see that, themselves. Yeah. And that really loud music steps in as well in between, because the music in the background in the game is really just, it's a two-note arpeggio, a two-note slow arpeggio. So dude 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 yeah dude Whereas in, in the background music, and then as soon as you get to the level, like it's like, nah, 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 like oh, My gosh, it's quite <laughs> shrill. Um So it's this, this sort of a game, but it's it sort of wakes you up a little bit, those parts. And and obviously, it's obviously loading bits in isn't it. I don't know. It all feels choppy and a bit silly, and there's some daft names in there, there? As, as Zap made a sort of comment about the fact that it's sort of quite a comedy game, not taking itself too seriously, and maybe that's true. Um, but I thought that um, what this did, it did okay at. We've seen a lot worse fighting games and some really terrible ones. I think Street Fighter, for example. Full price, big license, and that was awful.
0: Something that sort of did try to do something similar was that Samurai Warrior one, where it had the big big screens of pointless text and stuff. Here we are, two pounds, you know, I thought this was a little bit hard done to by Zap
1: again because I think this deserved a little bit more than forty six percent. I'm not yeah. saying it's perfect, but for two pounds, the two player game. By the way, when you do control those different players, the gore moves are different as well. So you can stab someone through the chin with the with the sort of triple <laughs> pronged poker thing, which is quite violent. Yeah, it's pretty good. So this 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 things to like in here. This little things that you wouldn't expect in a game for two pounds that are in there. But it is at the end of it all aldi little brand version of barbarian but it doesn't make some of the mistakes that barbarian two did and that was a lot more expensive wasn't it yeah i think there's a good little game in there albeit that it's rough around the edges but i was playing it for a while it's what well, my best comment I could say for this it's not utterly shit because it's nowhere; it's not shit what it is it's just two pounds worth of what you'd expect just don't expect greatness but you will probably have a good laugh with it at certain points mm. so go with that all right I'll go with that. Spartacus. Well, can't imagine that Kirk Douglas ever looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> Cause Spartacus is an amazing, obviously amazing film. It's a it's a Kubrick film, isn't it? So it's an amazing film, but yeah. Really good stuff. I know I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed it. Good laugh. Good laugh and, and funny and gory.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
1: Good. It was all right. Too quick. Go and try
0: it. Go and try it again. Go One of the best it. players ones we've played, I think. Probably apart from that poltergeist.
1: That isn't difficult though is it <laughs> no, no it's, it's not it, it's, the, it's one of the only working players games we've played that's true did you say players was the CRL budget range it was well it was and then they got bought out and then promptly collapsed
0: right okay because this is better than most CRL's full price stuff well that wouldn't be difficult would it
1: again no. when the, when your benchmarks
0: as low as that <laughs> that is true that is true there you go Spartacus sword slayer it's alright bit of fun bit of two yeah. quid fun let's move on to our next one <laughs> And our next one, it's over to you, Graham, and you can tell us all about what it's like to play a professional snooker simulator.
1: Well, I would tell you that. <laughs> if this was one. If
0: that was, this was anything
1: like one. <laughs> this, I'll grant you, has the word snooker in it. Um, everything else I fear may be something of an addition that does not need to be there. This is from Codemasters, which really surprised me with this. I think this is the worst Codemasters game I've ever seen out of all of the ones we've seen and we've seen a few mm-hmm. this was developed by Arcana Software uh, or at least coded by the graphics are Stephen Day Music Day Whitaker, and then the game design is down to Godwin Graham David Darling I think or at least Godwin Graham or Graham Godwin I don't know whether that's tech, that
0: don't take credit for designing snooker whoever <laughs> oh this is designed by no it's snooker
1: yeah
0: do you? I could go into what
1: snooker is alright snooker is I think we we've described it. it before I'm yeah. not going to go into what snooker is There'd Everyone know what snooker is if you're unsure just google snooker it'll tell you in seconds it's a game of challenging physics and <laughs> hitting balls into pockets and all sorts of fancy stuff so that's what is. this is meant to be this is not that <laughs> this is a horrible keyboard driven version of snooker that lacks anything to make it either interesting or fun or good i mean there are ways to make a snooker game i'm sure But not like this. Not this way. Stop doing it this way. Don't ever do it this way. I understand the struggle um, with it. I I sort of get it, but I don't quite understand why they can't get it right. I mean, once again, here we've got a snooker table viewed left to right and from about 20 feet above. Mm -hmm. So, So literally orthographic top down. Once again, the balls are essentially character blobs that shuffle and fidget more than roll. The table is the right color. And the balls are in the right place and the balls are of the right colour. At least they got that part right. But why would you not use the joystick to choose where you aim the ball? Graham, Why? too obvious. Why? Too obvious. Why have, why have different keys as a shoot button for each player? Why? It says in the instructions, the players use separate keys to shoot so that the computer can tell which player is about to play. What are you on about? <laughs> it's a turn-based game. <laughs> what difference would it make? It's just, what? It's, it's fucking turn-based. <laughs> Why does the Q have to have an annoying rotate around the ball? Why Why does it do that? Why can it only rotate one direction fast? So you can rotate around the ball fast one directionally, one direction by pressing the Q key, but you can only go counterclockwise or clockwise really slowly by pressing the W and E keys. None of which, by the way, are told in the instructions. None of it. Just have no, to guess those. You do. Figure that out.
0: <laughs> the, the, the most useful thing that you need to play the game, it doesn't tell you how to tell you everything but that. You know, you could put spin on it as well, by the way. Did you find the spin keys? No, I didn't. I uh, didn't know they, you could uh, do that. Yeah, yeah, they're I, J, K, and M. Oh, to put move the spin sake. on up, down, left, and right.
1: I mean, I inadvertently put myself in practice mode by pressing P, shift P, and then couldn't get out <laughs> of it for ages. And I, I thought I was playing a game, getting really good at it. And then when I finally pressed G, it just reset the entire thing. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> just, it's, why just, so why are we rotating round things in this game? I get the, the idea of the view at the top because the view is snooker table in the middle scrolly message that gives you very little information above that and other p- p- you know basic information <laughs> that you might need such as score and that sort of stuff and then in between the top right at the top then um, when you go to your rotating ball view where you've got your cue rotating around the cue <laughs> ball um you get like a view of the ball that you can see but it's of no use to you <laughs> Because half the time, trying to align the ball you're aiming at from the top-down view to the view that you're looking at from there doesn't line up. It doesn't make any sense. So aiming on this game is actually completely impossible. In fact, arbitrary, I would say. Now, you can hit towards a ball, I'll grant you. But chances are you're never going to be able to... The nuances of the control required in Snooker to... Just clip the ball at the right edge with the right amount of power to drop it into the pocket. None of that is possible in this game. None of it. It's impossible. So I, while I get the idea of that view, it's of no use whatsoever or bloody help whatsoever. It's, it's it's pointless. How do you control the power in this game? You hold the power button down for less power, and you tap the button <laughs> yeah. for more power. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to do it that way. It doesn't make sense. Why? Why would that? Why would you do that? <laughs> how is how is a light tap of something more powerful
0: than an an elongated because as well the animation pulls back from the cue ball doesn't it it pulls yeah. back so you think oh that's going to be a big whack Whereas if you yeah. tap it it's like it's like it it's like makes... bruce lee's one finger death punch <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense more importantly i suppose i mean that
1: all of those things and all those things are in this game why is there no power indicator no none even though you've got no idea how much power you're applying anyway in a game that's absolutely about the control of the power. That's the <laughs> one thing that you needed to put in. The key things for this game that it needs either your ability to aim. Okay, you've got a very basic version of that. Your ability to control the speed of which you hit to the white ball and the power that you give. Well, you, can contr- you can't really control the power. You either whack it or you don't. There's no middle ground and there's no way of knowing what that even looks like or how to determine it. It's just stupid. Snooker is not a game where you smack the balls as hard as possible or don't do now that's not when you learn to play snooker as a professional and go how do you play the nuances of this game it's it out it or don't simple as all right that's the rules around here all right do i have to hit certain balls in certain order well you can uh, but there's no point in this variation of it because you're never going to hit the ball you're aiming for anyway then you have to did you notice by the way when you do put a red which by the way i did by complete accident and um, because w- when you play the game and you break the reds up the physics goes wild it's like some completely different version of a newtonian universe where it's just completely mad so the physics is in a whole unique world of its own the balls (laughs) ping off all over the place some of them go radically fast for no reason yeah i hit the i hit the ball with low power and my white ball was ricocheting off the edges of the snooker table like they were pink like it was on a pinball table it's like why is it accelerating what's in those cushions it's just and then the sound effects i mean come on how it's not hard to make a click sound akin to a ball clicking another ball Instead, you've got this kind of boink, bonk sound, bang, 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 bang. I'm like, "What are you doing? Where have you been? Where you saw snooker like this? Where <laughs> this this designer of this game, this 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 Graham Godwin? What version of snooker have you played on what planet were you on? Because <laughs> you weren't on Earth. <laughs> no. This is not Earth-based snooker. It can't be. So you don't. They don't tell you how to control. Don't tell you any of the controls. The controls that are there are really weird. You can't aim properly. You can't control the power physics of the game is completely crazy it makes no sense <laughs> i just don't get it i don't get why they've made this so hard for the player everything about this everything about this if you said to someone i want you to make a snooker game and make it as impossibly in non-intuitive as you can make it so does the computer come with a controlling stick yeah it comes with a joystick don't use that use a keyboard okay <laughs> um don't, don't tell anyone what those keys are and, and add keys that would have no use what about power? Well, make that completely arbitrary anyway, but you know, it reverse the normal power ratio. Don't put an indication of it on the screen and have two different power bu- power buttons for two players. Why? It doesn't matter, it's turn based. I know it's turn based, but let's just f about with it. <laughs> so and then to then on top of all that, you try and what's the atmosphere? Because Snooker's a game of intense atmosphere. That's the whole point. And I suppose that's the one thing they do pull off. Cause it's completely silent apart from the weird bonk sounds from the balls. So there's nothing, there's no feedback. If you pull off a really great shot in this, not that you could, but you might get one by chance. Nothing. Even the scrawly message don't come across and go, congratulations, that was a good shot. It's like, no, nothing. What are you going to go for now? It's like playing this with an automaton when you pull off a really good shot, it bounces off four cushions, ricochets, three balls go in and it's just, are you going for the pink? Just acknowledge the fact that that was a good shot, you moron. <laughs> give me some feedback. Give me, some, give me something. Give me anything. You get nothing from that scroll text or nothing in this game. Now, I know that purists may well say that snooker is a quiet game, and maybe that's true, but this lacks anything about snooker. There is nothing about snooker in this game other than it's snooker-shaped. I'll give it that. It looks like a snooker game, but this is very far off from anything, and it really surprises me because this is the worst Codemasters thing I've seen. This cannot have passed the darling's threshold of quality they've released some amazing budget games this is awful give a game at least like this needs a way to aim properly a way to control the power it needs physics it needs those things or it's not snooker this is not snooker this is a crappy piece of shit i know it's cheap but that's no excuse it's just dreadful this can snook off it's rubbish
0: (laughs) snooker (laughs) <laughs> you be snookered with this what about you did you uh, get anything from this um, no just before we get into what i think of it i've got a couple of things that i just want to mention from the, uh, the i found some different uh interior so you know inside rules thing. still don't tell you anything to do but i just want to tell you what the it says playing tips it says demo mode the demo game is a very intriguing contest between two top class players and at the same time it serves to exhibit the program's fine qualities <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what did it does it no it doesn't no it doesn't no it doesn't i also want to I've, I've put the uh cover in the agenda so I just wish you I want you to go to the agenda and have a look at the cover we need to talk about the cover there's lots of things wrong with this cover oh dear that's, that's, that's clearly meant to be Alex Hurricane Higgins well I think it's there, Alex right? Hurricane Higgins playing Dickie Davis <laughs> but there's many things wrong with this so Dickie Davis looks like he's got his own banquet buffet going on at the back <laughs> all that stuff on the table
1: yeah he's, he's got a bagging
0: bucket KFC there, <laughs> he a the bottle of wine <laughs> massive bottle of Quattro by the looks of it since when have you ever seen a snooker game where all the reds have ended up in the top right corner of the, board, of the table no, that wouldn't happen, would it? And why is he being watched by the village people in the background? <laughs> yeah. The crowd are the weirdest crowd you're ever going to see. Plus, the, also ah. just, just above the S and N, Michael Myers is peering in. Yeah. <laughs> he is, yeah, totally. Also, God, the, the, uh, weird. the the perspective on that trophy is all off. Um, yeah, and finally, that. that cue that he's actually playing with, knowing how far the, the table, you know, that the the D, the sort of topping, is, is the shortest cue ever known to man. <laughs> It absolutely is, yeah. They've they've clearly
1: taken a screen grab of
2: <laughs> T V Snooker wrong. and
1: then and it's gone wrong. I mean you've got in that background you've got the village people, Frankie goes to Hollywood <laughs> are in there, potentially you <laughs> two and Depeche Mode as well. It's Michael Myers, Dickie Davis in a red shirt. Is there a guy with a mask next to him at the back there? Is that yeah. my imagination? He's
0: got a hard hat on. Him in the middle, just above <laughs> yes, his Who's <laughs> <yeah>. like <laughs> a guy in and someone with sunglasses. <laughs> Who watches Snooker with sunglasses on? I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't wanna know. I'm pretty sure there's too many reds on that table. I'm not going to count them, but
0: I'm pretty sure there is. But there's all the reds. All the reds have ended up in the top right corner. I don't know how that would ever happen. Because they're not professional <laughs> yeah, snooker but it's, well, players. Snooker, it says it on the sign behind them. Not so sure about that. Why is snooker done with a blue and a red ball as well? Why not a white and red? Which are probably the yeah. two main balls you would associate with. <laughs> yeah. Or black why is and white. Oh, yeah. Why blue why the why, blue? Bl- no one gives a shit about the blue ball. No, <laughs> it's worth five points. <laughs> yeah it's not even like pink or black it's not, it's not even the main pointer no oh, it's just dreadful when i did start playing this my first shot i hit it up the table because i thought the line was where i was aiming <laughs> i did the same thing so i was like moved it around sort of aiming that's nice went to play it and just went up the table luckily it bounced straight back down again and did a break but i was like oh that's the cue <laughs> oh yeah okay oh. jesus what control system is this why is it not right and left of the joystick wow I, this is horrible to play look at listen to everything is wrong here why can't they get snooker right why I, I could know. handle the naff physics and balls all over the place if the control system wasn't so stupid why is it shift a to make the player play again why shift an a
1: or r for replay which annoys the hell out of you because you keep clipping that and go no
0: <laughs> yeah what is this I, I guess this was ported from a system with no inbuilt joystick support probably I'm guessing yeah, even so be. You still got all those keys. You don't need to shift. You don't need, shifting you don't need shift in anything. You've got an anything. entire keyboard at your disposal if you decided to use that. There's 26 keys there, and all the numbers. I know seven of them are for to picking your thingy, but you've got all the F keys, enter, all the symbol oh, keys, dear. anything. Just, uh, just dreadful. Awful and horrible! Another crap snooker game. Zap gave it sixty three percent. And did you read the review? Yeah, I don't know how they arrived at that. But they said it was the, they said it wasn't as good as the amazing Steve Davis snooker. I'm like, Are you having a laugh? He's yeah, I mental? Yeah. <laughs> Which game did you play? Because we played that game three times, so yeah. they're all as bad as each other. <laughs> it's got presentation thirty nine percent, graphics thirty, sound thirty one, hookability sixty five, last ability forty three, overall sixty three. Something's gone wrong. Something done out there. No, nothing's right here. And no. There's no way that this is better than uh, Fernandez must die. No, it's not. Or the one we just played, Sword Slayer. No. or stuff like that. It's just, just this is dreadful. This is this is an awful snooker thing. Crap. Yeah, awful crap. <laughs> that cover that's though a, is that's amazing. It's a, a crap i love that crowd in that cover it's just cut out people from the paper it's just it is just crap what a
1: weird audience
0: here at the crucible in sheffield we've got the village people in the front row frankie goes to hollywood just behind them and who's that peering in through the window at the back why it's michael (laughs) myers i'm whispering ted low and i think there may be some murder tonight Oh, dear me. As, as Dickie Davis steps up from his banquet at the back. <laughs> Actually, yeah, looking around at that uh, player on the table there, he looks a bit like Jimmy Hill. It does look like Jimmy Hill. It's Jimmy Hill versus D- Dickie Davis. It is. It bloody well <laughs> is, isn't it? It's the snooker of the pundits. It is. <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> I just, yeah, it does. Oh, man, yeah. that's amazing. Dickie Davis versus Jimmy... It's now, it's they're made it. Pundit snooker. Yeah, pundit snooker. That sounds like a Bollywood star. <laughs> does a bit. But if they'd have made this pundit snooker and made it crappier all over the place and stuff, I'd have got behind (laughs) that. But they've called it Professional Snooker Simulator, and that none of those words fit together. Oh, dear. There we go. Professional Snooker Simulator. Bloody crap. Pooker. Pooker. Poo, poo, pooker. Yeah. Let's move on. We've got one game left. Let's get into that. (laughs) And this is 19, Part 1. 19. (laughs) boot camp 19 boot camp the game is based on the song again mm. this is Van- i'm getting blade runner vibes yep. um about the average age of draftees for the vietnam war 19. strange thing to make the game on just i'm just gonna i'll, I'll pat, pat that to one side for the time being we'll maybe get into that a bit later 19 part one boot camp comes from cascade and there's a whole gang of credits behind it shame it's not a butte or a real winner Uh, It's got design by John Lewis and Sean Conran, produced by Sean Conran. It's coded by Joe Booth and Mark Greenshields and graphics by Joe Booth and Sam Mohable and music by Rob Hubbard. It is. Yeah. So this was actually the first of two planned games that were based on the song. I'll come to some of the sec- some stuff about the second one later. And sees you play as a raw recruit being taken through four different training exercises to get you ready for the horrors of the Vietnam War. Cheery. This is a combat school knockoff, basically, to all intents and purposes. Um, when the game loads, you can choose to play with up to four players. Uh, you can enter your names and then you get drafted with a draft number. And then you can choose to play any of the four training exercises. Uh, while all this is going on, there's a very sample heavy Rob Hubbard tune beat in a way. I think it's a version of the main tune and it's a version of the song. Um, it's okay. It's okay. I, it's all right. right. I'm not. It's not one of my favorite Rob Hubbard tunes, but it's okay. The first one you can choose to do is assault course. I will say here that the game has done away with waggle. So at least that's something. It's not like the crazy waggle fest that combat school was. What it has introduced, though, is the most bizarre way of clearing obstacles I have come across ever in a game. Uh... So you've got five minutes here to complete the obstacle course and then get to the next one. And so you hold left or right to run in that direction, which sounds easy enough. You just run along. Okay. I got to the first obstacle, which is a series of knee high posts. (laughs) And that was as far as I could get. I literally couldn't get further. To clear them, you've got a bar at the bottom of the screen and it's got like this marker on. Holding down the fire moves this marker across the bar and at some point it will turn red. And then you have to let go of the fire button at the right time and at the right location in front of the post. And then when you, you'll jump over them. And that's, that's one of the most awkward, tricky things I've ever had to do in a video game ever because there's no indication oh, of where so the right point okay. is, where the right point on the bar is, anything. I managed at one by some fluke to clear one of them, and then I found myself trapped between the, that one and the next one. So the one I cleared and the next one forever. I couldn't get out, so I was in some existential nightmarish dream—a nightmare of like being a draftee trapped between knee-high poles. But I don't know what was doing going here, so I just it, 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 it was awful. I just like I couldn't get out. I was just running to the right, and as soon as I got to poles, stop. Uh run to, run back to the left. Run up to it again, or stop. Oh, uh, try again. Try, and I just—this was it. it. Was rubbish. I couldn't do it. Stupid control system. I utterly unforgivable and stupid maybe it's just me but but i tried it for ages to clear the next one and just couldn't figure out what to do no looking at the instructions was no help so i just spent eternity waiting for the clock to run down and end my misery i have no idea what lies beyond those posts stupid next up you've got the firing range that you could do so you stare down the sights of a gun um and in those sights you see a magnified view of the field ahead within that field targets pop up so you've got them You can see the view, the field is off in the distance. You can see it full screen, but there's a magnified view of where you're sort of aiming in the sights, which are kind of in the bottom centre of the screen. Um, Targets pop up, marked as either O or V, and you've got to move your view over them. There's a crosshair in the middle of your view at the bottom in the... uh, a magnified view and they're either marked as either o for opposition i guess or v for vietnam vietnamese i guess you don't want to shoot them you have got to shoot the ones marked o and not the ones marked v and you've got to shoot enough of them to move on to the next round um and that's it you move the view of the sights left to right to find the targets and you get that's it so that's what this one is so it's just essentially just target range practice third one up it's a driving event that tests your ability to steer a jeep down a hilly road this is like any driving game with a three D road in front of you and a series of objects coming at you to avoid. You've got to get to the end of the end um, of the road and the time limit to pass. That's it. So you just keep going from there. Uh, the fourth fourth event has you squaring off against your sergeant and a one in a one on one fighting game, and you've got to survive for thirty seconds. But I think you've also got to do more damage to him than he does to you uh, to get through um after each of these games you're giving a rating on how you did for coordination stamina and morale and after doing all these four they're saved it just saved it for some reason and restarted there was no i could choose to the do them in any order then it just restarted and i had to put names in again i'm not quite sure what happened that's it really there's no connection between the events there doesn't seem to be any real sense of progression either that i could see and maybe there is maybe there isn't i don't know i couldn't see any the visuals and sounds are pretty good though they're pretty good throughout. There's a, like I said, there's a decent version of the Tomb from Ed Hubbard. Uh, the sprites in the backgrounds are well drawn. The road effects are 3D effects and the like. Um, they're they're all good. It's fast. Um, you know, It's smooth. Everything looks quite good. There's some nice visuals in this. This is a nice to look at game. The problem with it is that each one, each event has a flaw that makes it unenjoyable. So you've got the stupid control system in the assault course you got the fact that there is no reticle on the field in the shooting range, so you don't actually know where you're aiming because the view in your scope is just trees or anything, and it's not exactly what's what you're seeing upon the top. So it's only when you actually get across a target and you shoot it and one drops down that you can kind of get any kind of bearing of where you are, and it moves quite fast. Instead of put a reticule or a crosshair in the top of the screen or something to sort of let you know where it was you're aiming at or your angle moved or changed or the the gun aimed and turned, that would have helped. As it is, I I kept getting lost in where I was shooting. So that doesn't help either. The fact that you go over hills in the driving game is stupid because all it does is block your view of the track. The view doesn't rise up, so you can't see uh, oncoming obstacles. Um, You just get completely – you can't see anything. You just go up a hill, and it's a nice effect, don't get me wrong, but it blocks your view of any oncoming obstacles, which renders it unplayable. You're kind of trying to look underneath the car to see stuff. well, this is stupid. Move up or have it lower down. You don't need to do this. Who needed hills? No one asked for hills. And so there's that. And then there's no real impact to the moves in the fighting game. You just, I was just running around doing stuff and it didn't really feel very good or any connection. So I didn't particularly enjoy that one very much. What all this leads to is a series of events that are just not fun to play. Before we get to the theming should we say around the actual game itself so this song as far as i'm aware the song was not about glorifying war or what those 19 year olds had to go through and i don't really think making a combat school knockoff was a very good or tasteful idea i don't think the story about this of preparing these 19 year olds for the horrors of war for vietnam is really what video games are kind of about or what i want to do because there's no sense of you're just told to do really good in these small events and it'll be all okay. You'll be prepared for Vietnam. And I, I don't get that at all. I don't understand what this game was actually trying to say or do. And I think it's just a bad idea from the get-go. And I, it's one of those things. I'm not a huge fan of games based on real-life conflict, as in recent real-life conflicts. I don't really play um, the Call of Duty um, World War Two games. I don't play the Model of Honor games. No. I, I don't mind... First person shooters set in war, as long as they're kind of fictional and it's all nonsense based, so Halos and things like that, science fiction ones, they're all fine. I just don't like the idea of like people could play this and they're like, well, you know, I was there or, or, you know, this is unpleasant. And and I think there's something wrong with that. And I think trying to turn a song into a game is weird for one thing, but trying to do it for a a song that was, you know, this anti, trying to sort of give this message of the fact that the average age of people of 19 is, and trying to inform people of what the horrors were about that was going on. Don't think it's really good I, I found this pretty distasteful so yeah I, I you know i thought this was a step beyond even with games like you know the game with platoon okay w- you know that was based on the film so there was something but i, I didn't like. but i think this is a step in beyond that so no it, i just did i didn't like it very much as the title suggests though this is part one um there was going to be a part two to this now there's some evidence of this in the xmas issue of zap 64 um for 1987 for the december issue there was an advert for this game um Different box as well because it's uh, GI's in Vietnam. It's it's full on full on set in Vietnam, not this sort of boot camp image that we have for the mm. um, thing. And it was called. There was a bit of the text that says second part will be called 19 Part Two Vietnam, which is two separate words, which is kind of weird. Um, so it wasn't called that. But so, but it seems to have changed then to Combat Zone um, by the time the game's released because on the back of the box yeah. it says coming soon will be Part Two Combat Zone where you're in you're in the um, in Vietnam. According to games that weren't. Um, There were actually two separate games in development uh, when Cascade went bust. Um, It seems that one was going to be an action game and the other had you playing as a hippie writing letters to Congress to stop the Vietnam War and was to be on the other side of the tape. So supposedly none of the first game actually exists, but they might have found something of the second one, and they're looking into it at the moment. So it's worth reading. We'll post a link to the games that weren't paid for this. Have a read through it; it's quite interesting. Um, it doesn't sound like it was very good because I don't think the people who actually made this or were getting or were making that first one um, got paid again. It's another one of those horror stories where people didn't get paid and stuff. So it's on games that weren't. So have a go look at that. Um, however, Cascade went bust. They were bought by EA, I think, or something. They were called something else. Then the games never got released, and I think that in the long run, I think that was for the best. I really didn't enjoy this, if I'm perfectly honest, and I think it was all kind of wrong to make a game at this. Got seventy percent, and okay, that probably you know think things times were different back then, and but looking back on it now, I don't think this is a game that really should have been made, but it is what it is. What did you think?
1: Yes, I agree, it shouldn't have been made, and yet here we are. Yeah. Um, not the irony of it isn't lost on me, really. I suppose because clearly they'd, they hadn't listened to the song, or if they did, they didn't quite get the message. Which makes a game that's principally about based on an anti-war song, where you're actually learning to be a soldier in a war, kind of beautifully ironic. You know, it's a very great example of tragic irony. Really, there's some nice graphics in this. Now, let's just take the game as to what the game is. There is some nice graphics, a good rendition of 19 from Rob Hubbard, quite amazing, really, really good version of that, and and a variation of combat school, isn't it, with four seemingly interconnected but not really events. Each one's a blow from the disc. It all takes a while. Title screens all use that kind of standard military font that we've seen used in Rambo before and Commando. Mm. Um, all fairly simple stuff. The games all fall apart one way or another because the, either like in the first one, the assault cost, the control is stupid and just totally doesn't work for you and makes you hate the game. The shooting one is interesting, I suppose, but falls apart because the way that your eyepiece moves but nothing else does is weird. Um, disconcerting, it's almost like you're moving the background, but your gun stays static. And in reality, it's, that doesn't quite work for me. No. It would have been better if it was just a black circle and you were just targeting and moving a a, a giant target around as opposed to a tiny view with a gun and a static screen. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. Uh, the Jeep training, that effect was interesting, but doesn't work for the exact reason you said, because it blocks your view. And also, it looked like you were driving across the custard based <laughs> landscape because yeah. it was bright yellow. It so was bright
0: yellow. M- yeah. My joke
1: there was that it wasn't the desert, it was the dessert you were in.
2: That very good
1: golf clap golf clap for that I think yeah Um, and as you slide around it sort of you know just it wasn't very nice the road bends sort of and then there was those weird bumps and yeah not good and then the final thing was just the really really boring fight yep eight rounds of boring with what two moves three maybe eight rounds of it just kick punch kick kick punch kick punch weird headbutt where he goes hur, 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 sort of surges <laughs> I was like wow that was weird and then when he when he won he kind of flapped his chest he was like it's like what the what's going on here um, I don't know just and, this, and there's really weird UI choices of things I noticed through this as well when you're at the Jeep section the UI at the bottom has got some dog tags but they're bright yellow it's like just make them grey yep and later you get a similar thing in the fight sequence where you've got some really weird color choices it just all feels just not very good animations basic in that combat sequence they look looks like meat slabs yeah Yeah, um it's just weird movements it's all felt undermade um it's not a whole game this it doesn't feel coherent it feels like you're doing all this for absolutely no reason or nothing there's no coherency to it so i'm not sure what point what they're trying to prove and what this has got to do with the 19 music at all other than i mean even that was when was that out it was out years ago compared to this
0: yeah this was a while yeah
1: so i don't really get what this is i think it was either in development hell for a long time and then thought we've got to release something we put adverts out so this is what happened or are these levels that never made it into um platoon i don't know i don't i genuinely don't know what this is all about but i do know that it is literally nothing to do with the song no 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 19 nothing it's so far removed from what that song's about. It's actually offensive. Mm. And and I think that this game is just a bit of an abhorrent mess. So it's it does not, again, this is no way 70%. No way is this 70%. Nope. At best, this is in the 30s or 40s, because there's some interesting graphic bits and stuff in it. But no way is this 70%. No, absolutely no chance. That's a
0: higher rating than Rambo.
1: Yeah. At least Rambo's honest about what it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's weird, uh, your development hell might be a good actual point, because like I said, that advert appeared in December 1987, mm. um, and now here we are, and it's taken, usually yep. games, you know, you're advertising them near to release. Yep. So eight months later, we're seeing it. Nine months later, it's September as well, so it's we August, I suppose. But yeah, it's not a very good game. It's nope. not
1: very good. Um, and it's a, it's a good soundtrack, apart from when it ends in the game as well, then it just goes silent for a bit, and that's unnerving. Yeah. And then it starts again, thankfully, but you're like, oh, just nah. No, it's no way the full price seventy percent. No way in hell. No thanks.
0: No. No. No, it's not. There we go. That's it. That's our last game at nineteen boot camp. Um an interesting batch of games this week. Two Harry Canes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll get back and see what we thought after those in a moment, because let's go to some... Let's cheer ourselves up, Graham, with some Crapverts. Let's go and look not? at some Crapverts. We haven't looked at them for a while. Any. And we're going to stay in a wartime vein. This is G.I. Hero. Look at that.
2: <laughs> Jeez.
0: This is a classic old-school Crapvert, I thought. There's, so this is G.I. Hero. It's, got a, it, it, it's been bloomed and smudged and everything. There's a gradient in the G.I. Hero... Text which is over a gold embossed bar. There's some chevrons. There's an eagle, but in the middle there's a Rambo-esque character. <laughs> a Rambo-esque is right. <laughs> it's like from uh, First Blood, I'd say, with a very, very severe Widow's Peak. It's so that severe. Is... It's so severe. It's going over his headband. <laughs> it looks.
1: It looks like he's got a, some kind of ferret that's curled up and died on his head.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. And then below him, there's some very big leaves with a couple of men jumping through them and then some papers at the bottom saying Top Secret. Actually, it doesn't. Does that say Top secret"? I thought it said Top secret. yeah. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? They've got the S wrong. This is Top Beacret. It's higher class than Top Secret.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's utterly terrible, isn't it? Look at that. It's meant to be a Kalashnikov that is holding there. I don't know what it is. I don't think Kalashnikov rifles have bright orange grips on them i'm pretty sure they don't it wouldn't be great for camouflage would it where you've
0: got bright orange anything um, um and then in the in the bottom left we've got some text um a dash uh, b12387 touched down without a sound parachute hidden safely away he surveyed quadrant x with the steely gaze of a professional killer the task was hard some would say impossible but to a special operations agent the impossible was merely a way of life the brief had been simple <laughs> recovered the vital nato documents and of course those three familiar words on which A 8B or 12387 thrived leave no survivors. God, he sounds like a right piece of work. It's just blatantly ripping off Rambo, totally. Yeah, very much so.
1: But I always like it when they've got, uh, you need to steal the vital NATO documents. <laughs> um, I always Lisa. like it when. when en- Lisa. <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Wang, you're the head of all Japan. <laughs> I guess there's something always, you, you always get the information somehow.
0: Did you hear what we're saying about the documents? Hmm. <laughs>
1: I don't know what the documents are but I do know that the documents are very important and probably vital. <laughs> um and for those that don't know what that was
0: <laughs> which is about everybody in the world yeah. apart from
1: Gary. <laughs> That's uh, an interlude from the um uh, enter the is it enter the game of death? I think it might be enter 2, the game of death. I think death. or something like yeah. that Some... <laughs> rubbish <laughs> badly these things dubbed.
0: that stick in our head
1: I know martial arts movie we'll maybe find a clip or something of that Hopefully. I'll find it somewhere today I've asked you all here to discuss some very important business Mr Keegan what's this about please don't get angry but according to information that we've received a highly confidential security document belonging to the Chinese
2: has been stolen do you have any views on this Mr Wang uh, I have no idea who has the document at the moment but I'm convinced the document is
0: vitally important, and in the wrong hands, most dangerous. <laughs> I also like the cutout explosion in the back as well. Those those, oh. cl- those clouds are on one side; they're really, really smudged and smooth. But on the other side, under the chevrons, they're just cut out. <laughs> so much,
1: so much sparkly effect on there as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, the twinkle effects gone mad on those. And then, have you noticed, by the way, that... Um, he didn't look like a killer. He looks quite friendly. Well, he looks quite. He looks like Barry Scott from the... Um,
0: <laughs> silly Bang advert. Silly Bang advert.
1: <laughs> G.I.D. hero. Bang.
0: <laughs> bang. And the enemy is gone. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: that's what he is. It's the silly bang of Rambo. <laughs> silly Rambo. <laughs> I'm Barry Scott. If you're confronted with an unstoppable enemy force,
0: you need silly bang. <laughs> bang and the enemy's
2: gone <laughs> <laughs> oh dear
1: yeah it ain't good that it's a classic crap fair. and of course the main logo is a mishmash of emboldened <laughs> blocks there's writing on top of things that shouldn't be um it's all kinds of wrong and they've tried to go for that Tried try to make it like a marble slab effect and that hasn't worked <laughs> no it hasn't no it does not and
0: while the chevrons in the back
1: I don't know why it's there. It's just, yeah, why are they even
0: there? Just The best thing about that's the Firebird logo. Yeah. <laughs> because the Firebird logo is always kind of cool. Everything else, Dog crappy. Egg. Dog egg. You could have gone and seen them at the stand look at the PC show, Earl's Core on the 14th to 18th of September. Oh, God's sake. There you go. That's GI Hero. We've got one more to look at. Now, I picked this one because. <laughs> There are ways to advertise, oh. you know, our national treasures, <laughs> and then there are ways not to advertise them. So this is Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge. <laughs> so this, apart from the random font choice for Olympic Challenge, there's a picture of Daley in the middle, sort of on the starting blocks, and that's okay. But I picked it for the four images behind him, which seem to show him in various stages of <laughs> distress <laughs> as, as he falls over. <laughs>
1: the many stages of thompson
0: <laughs> it's like so one he's sort of running in his tracksuits then he's falling over then he's properly falling over and then he's fully on the starting blocks
1: yes he's uh, it looks like he tripped over something doesn't it there
0: <laughs> so i was like why would you include them you could take them out and just leave the picture of him which would have been better there's also uh, loads of text, yes there's there's which loads you can't read because it's green that. on green
1: yeah never a good color choice to put dark green over dark green <laughs>
0: yeah. and yeah the, the olympic challenge font and the Daily Thompsons—it's all wrong. It's all badly wrong. Just why would you do Olympic? I know
1: they're not allowed to use the the word Olympics, and, and there's real weird controls about the word Olympics and the way they portray it. So they can't use the Olympic circles or anything like that. That's why you're not seeing any of them on there anywhere.
0: That's fair enough.
1: But just why those choices? Great big blocky, thick awfulness—just horrible. And then you've got the—I uh, don't know what—is this like he's looking? You're looking at Daily Thompson in different sex positions. <laughs> It's like this, it's the Thompson Kama Sutra.
0: <laughs> just those middle two. He's just <laughs> collapsing. He's just, uh, uh. Ooh, ah.
1: <laughs> he's doing a barbarian, proper barbarian nose. <laughs> That's what he's doing right there. What he's doing? I mean, oh dear me, this is all. Okay. I mean, Daily Thompson, amazing guy. And it funny, when you look at, I mean, and this is no disrespect to Daley Thompson, amazing athlete, amazing achievements back then. But look at his physique compared to modern athletes. Yeah, it's Can't crazy, see isn't the, it? Crazy the difference. I mean, he's got every he chest; do not allowed to have that anymore. Yeah, I mean, considering that, he, that would impede his running progress. He was
0: a world, I mean, he's world record holder decathlete, yeah, so he's great. At, you know, yeah, and his, his main main strength was his sprinting. So he was like a yeah. t- ten, just under eleven seconds hundred meter runner. Incredible. Yeah, I just thought there's better ways to advertise this. And and and, and just t- having pictures of David Thompson falling over. <laughs> yeah, those first three are brilliant. So
1: <laughs> why wouldn't you have it? Why is this the wrong order as well, isn't it? Yeah. You yeah. know, it should be going from... He should start in the starting blocks and then do that.
0: Why has he changed out of his tracksuit for the fourth one? I,
1: do, I don't know what, what's it, what it's all about. I'm guessing that was a different photo shoot on a different day.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, obviously, that one's set before the main <laughs> one, which they've cut him out of, where he's waiting at the starting blocks. Well, they've decontextualized him the out of the... Because he's clearly on starting blocks and clearly on some kind
1: of track. It would make more sense for him to be on a track as opposed to floating over a green landscape with a logo under his knee. They
0: could have just had that with a black background... And him yeah. that, that picture with the and the right the right one, but in the pose that is in in the main image, just had that. Yes. It would have been I fine. Think
1: it's sort of because this stage with these sort of sports games, they have to almost depict the sport, don't they? It's like we've got to depict the sport, we've got a sportsman. So you've got to be seen in him doing things in sport as opposed to it just being like a, a close up of Daily Thompson's face at the side or and there's a million ways you could do that. In a modern way it wouldn't be done anything like that. No. Um, and this, is that screen grab on there? There's no way that's the C64, is it? Uh, I think really it
0: is. Tell. Yeah, I think it is actually quite a good... This is actually quite a good-looking game for the C64, I remember. I, I do remember there being a, a good-looking Daily
1: Thompson game. We yeah, said it way back one. when we played Daily Thompson's, didn't we? Yeah. We knew there was one, but... Yeah, took a while to come out. So but yeah, yeah, but that cover's not doing any favours at all, is it's it?
0: It's really not, no. 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 Yeah, there you go. There's Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge. Daley Thompson's Falling Over Challenge. Collapse Terrible. and challenge in GI Hero. A couple of classic crap bursts just to cheer us up after oh, a lot of rubbish games, but some good games too. So what have we looked at this week? Well, we have looked at, before we get to next week, we looked at uh, Slimy's Mine, which we were really impressed with and really enjoyed, thought that was good. Mm. European Five Side, which was bad. So, so bad. bad. So, so bad. Mickey Mouse, which was uh, a bit boring, no. just a bit bland. Fernandez well. Must Die, which was really good, yep. um, really impressive. Go play and, it. Yeah, and go play that one. Battleships, again really good. good yeah another good one Kane too pointless good. pointless why sword slayer weird fun and but you know worth a knock about i think worth, worth a look at it's not terrible professional snooker simulator which is terrible and finally 19 part one boot camp which was you know we didn't like for various reasons there we go the charts what have we got in the charts this is according to commodore user going up from 10 a new entry uh, up at number 10 is Samantha Fox strip poker. Why has that come back? Well, it's on the reactor label, so it's obviously been re released at a budget. Mm. Finally, down from number one to number nine is Steve Davis's snooker. <laughs> Finally,
1: it's been toppled.
0: Finally, yeah. Up to... Now, down to number eight from seven is Bruce Lee. Up to number seven from 15 is Rally Driver. Down to number mm-hmm. six from five, Frank Bruno's Boxing. Down to five from three is Yogi Bear. A new entry, uh, number four, is Airwolf on the Encore label, elite budget label. elite are starting to release their uh, titles on, on budget here. Down to number three from two is Ace. Up to number two from number nine... <laughs> European five aside. Oh my Lord, What? <laughs> and a new entry Those at number 1 is Football Manager 2. There's a lot of love for Football Manager I seem to remember, so I can see why that yeah. would go straight in. Other notable things is at number 11 Beach buggy simulator, Bionic Commando at 12, Ghostbusters at number 13, Stunt bike simulator, new oh, entry at no. 14. Not another haven't had one. that one yet. Target Renegade at 15, Rocky Horror Show, new entry at 16, Aliens, new entry at 17. Fruit Machine Simulator at 18. Battleships, a new entry at 19. And finally, at number 20, Weight of the Exploding Fist. Wow. Wow, oh, indeed. So uh, at this point, Zap from next week, next month's on, they really start to include a lot of Amiga stuff. So I think there's only about 16 Commodore 64 games, but we'll be wow. covering them. So uh, games we will be covering because we've got, also got a lot of budget re releases. So this is a bit of a nightmare to read through. So do what's our first one? Daily Thompson's Olympic Challenge. Okay. We're looking at that. Good. Diamond. Whatever that, is. whatever that is, the Fury. Whatever that okay. is, uh, Hotshot. Okay, Catechis, Excellent. LA Crackdown. Have we played that before. Have we? Is that the, the? That's the budget one, isn't it? That's
1: the budget Commando. Well, this is a, I think this
0: is this isn't in the budget area. I, th- I think I no, thought that was uh, LA SWAT. An...
1: Oh, it was LA SWAT. Yes, yeah, so it must be. A... Yeah,
0: must LA be. Crackdown. This uh, then we have got Mr. Wino. That whatever doesn't sound that good. That doesn't sound good at all. Psycho Pigs UXB. Yep. Uh-huh. Quest for the Golden Egg Cup. No, that's a adventure game. Mm. Uh, I wish it weren't. But uh Ricochet.
1: Yeah, Ricochet's one, yeah.
0: Uh, we've looked at Saboteur, we've looked at Sanction, Scorpius. Okay. No the doing
1: Scuba that. Kids. We've not looked at that, have we?
0: No. Stunt Bike Simulator. Okay. Uh, Summer Olympiad.
1: Mm. Uh
0: Tracksuit Manager. Like
1: Winter Olympiad.
0: Um I think it's actually got it gets a really good review, I think. Okay, tracksuit manager, which I okay. seem to remember being held up as probably the best of the football manager games on the C64. So we'll okay. have a look at that. Traz is a re-release Trojan Warrior, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a, makes me think of condoms. Iridium um, yes. is in the Vindicator. That's yeah, another that's big one, one, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's it. That's our games. Not many. Right. Not many, but what's there? See what they're like. Yeah, I think the next one's cut a two it's a two week month yeah October. There you go. That's September done. So we move into the hundred episodes. That's it. We've got not much more. Yeah, you know, there's only Eight episodes left before we're done with 1988. God, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we'll need to be starting to think about the Golden Breadbin Awards for 1988. Um, so only got eight weeks left before that's that, before we're done. December's quite big, there's like four episodes left, but the next two months are two weeks. There's not much getting released. So And then I do, I know having a quick look at 1989, that the number of C64 games starts to, the new C64 game starts to yeah. drop quite a bit. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But anyway, as we still are, we still have eight episodes yet to get through 1988 and the Breadbin Awards and all this stuff. So there you go. Oh, man. I think the summer... Well, I I think that was quite a good episode. I think that was quite good games there. Yeah, there's some some interesting little games in amongst that lot. Yeah, there was more than we normally get, I feel, um, that we've had some more positive stuff um, than what we've had recently, even though it's only, well, three games, (laughs) three out of nine. (laughs) they were good but you know they weren't very good though I did like them oh there we go that's it that's September done Uh, we'll be back next week I guess you got anything more you want to add no no Um, I think I'm going to go off and maybe have another
1: tackle at a couple of the games from this episode there's been some good ones in there quite like quite like enjoying playing some of those I might have another game Battleships maybe this is is good fun
0: cosy game of Battleships you do that Mm. I'm going to go off and I don't know probably get a bed it's quite late Anyway, (laughs) just looking at that picture of uh, Amazon Women on the Moon, it always makes me laugh. Um, (laughs) There we go. Yeah, so that's it. So we'll be back next week. We'll be starting October. So obviously, um, come join us then. And as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Ruddings. And you have been listening to Zap to the Past, where we have been getting annoyed with crappy snooker simulators. (laughs) Pundit snooker should have been something that happened. Yeah puka puka really was pretty puka and on that note we will see you again next week goodbye
1: thank you for listening to the zap to the past podcast